So what I think after yeah after this we get the genetic dissenter sketch where just Dave goes through the history of saying man this person's fucking up you know man the white man's fucking up man uh, Bush is fucking up or whatever he says the only note I have on here and I'm gonna read it verbatim man cinemodities is fucking up <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing that came to my mind is we redid this sketch that would be it it would be like, man. Cinemodities is fucking up. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy, yeah. Robin Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddities where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And this week on Cinemodities, we are on our fourth episode of the fourth month of the sketch comedy series. And Zach, what what can we say about the fourth month of sketch comedy that hasn't already been said about Afghanistan? <laughs> it's blown out and and something. I don't have that line written down. I just love it. Um, but no, this week we're getting it. I just want to jump right into it. We're discussing probably the polar opposite of last week's episode in which Zach and I had something we really wanted to discuss because we can't stand it. Now we have something we really want to discuss because we we can only stand it. We love it. And it is none other than Chappelle's show from good old 2003 to 2006, kind of. <laughs> uh, we'll get into all that, but it aired on Comedy Central. And I don't I think this is one of the episodes that barely needs introduction, because as far as I know, of course, back, you know, when this was uh, airing back when, you know, it got canceled and. And everybody was saying Dave ran to Africa, all that stuff. I think everybody knows what this is. And I honestly don't think I've ever encountered anyone in my actual physical life who has anything bad to say about Chappelle's show. It really is acclaimed. And I know Zach, whereas in the Amanda show, he thought he was going to love it. I know Zach does love the Chappelle show. So I guess context? <laughs> That's what we have to do next, right? Yes, context time, folks. <laughs> Good old context. No, context on this is relatively short because I don't like I have a little bit of a background with this, but not like a huge, like like elaborate story. My background with Chappelle show is I never outside of the lost episodes, I never watched it like when it initially aired, which I think mm -hmm. is kind of fair to say for most people. I discovered this when I first moved to New York because at that time, like my parents, I guess, were letting me watch kind of like anything I wanted. Cause I don't remember this ever being on like Comedy Central. Which is weird because in the prior to that time period, I was watching a lot of Crank Yankers on Comedy Central. Sure. And, I, and I never remember anything about like Chappelle show, like promos or anything. They're always like I, I, I have no memory. The only thing I remember from like the Crank Yankers time period was like a little bit of South Park. Oh, but 
so with this, so like I remember, like I guess I saw. I don't know even how I got introduced to. It. I don't know if I saw it on TV. I think I, I know for a fact I rented the first season from like Blockbuster in like 2004, mm-hmm. and I watched it and more or less fell in love with it. And I got the DVD. I think I don't know if it's still like the highest like selling DVD, but for the longest time it was. I know if you go to any sort of like used DVD store, you can find copies of like season one and two of Chappelle Show for like a dollar. It's not hard to come by. And then season two came out, bought that DVD. And then when the, the whole like, because that was like the, the summer of 2005 was the whole thing about like Dave Chappelle, like being upset about like people taking the show the wrong way mm-hmm. and how was, he was kind of losing control over it. And I remember when the Lost episodes were announced to premiere on Comedy Central, I was like super excited. And then I remember like after the third episode aired that third week in the summer of uh, July 2006, I was a little bit like, not want to say devastated, but it was like, oh man, like this is it. That's the end. Like th- yeah. there's going to be no more Chappelle show based on the comments. And you'd hear rumors every now and again during like the mid 2000s. I mean like, oh, maybe Dave Chappelle's kids considering coming back. Maybe he's like considering like finishing like what he started and now be the end of it. Or he wants to have like his final say on all this. And uh, no, Dave Chappelle more or less after this show dropped off the face of the earth or at least from public eye. Yeah. The next what you'd say at least the next decade. Like he pretty much just he let he lived a low key life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how it seems. I, I mean, um, whenever uh, I don't know a lot about Dave Chappelle's history, it really is centered in the Chappelle's show uh, because that's kind of you know where I know him and half baked, I guess. Uh, but, you know, I feel like there was Chappelle's show. I got more into Pel- into Chappelle's show after it was all over and done with. I don't think I actually saw any of these, even the lost episodes when they aired on t- on TV uh, in 2006. Um, and the way I always think about it is it's like, okay, Chappelle's show happened in 2003 to 2006. And then I knew I heard nothing about him until he there was some article that I, I remembered reading and I looked into it um, to you know make sure I wasn't crazy. And it actually happened. But in 2010, he was on like a private jet and he was really erratic and he like tried to open the the emergency escape from the plane while it was in the air. And so they had to have like an emergency landing and stuff. So I remember hearing that and I was like, okay, so Dave Chappelle is still crazy. And then the next time I heard about him was in 2014 when he reappeared and went on Letterman back when that was still a thing. Oh, yeah. And and I loved his quote on Letterman because Letterman basically said, what the hell happened with Chappelle's show? Like, why'd you quit? And and Dave says, I never really quit. I more just didn't show up for work. Technically, I'm seven years late. And I was like, that's a great answer. I was like, that's a great Dave Chappelle answer about the end of Chappelle's show. And then he just kind of, you know, slowly started to get back into the public eye. Maybe not mainstream, but, you know, he's done some stand-up since. I think there's some memes because he photobombed people on a date or something once. So so he's back. But really, for my context of The Chappelle Show, I was trying to rack my brain, like, a lot to remember my history with Chappelle's show. I don't know it for certain because... The earliest memory I seem to have of it was in my undergrad at college, my freshman year of undergrad. Of I remember. Oh, I remember the freshman well, undergraduate year. <laughs> no, I mean, so I mean, like the story about the Amanda Show and and downloading that—that that was sophomore year. So freshman year was before oh. I even got into a lot of this stuff. So that's why it's even more special. But I remember, like, one of the first weekends of of my freshman year, like I had the randomly assigned roommate, and he had Netflix, and we were watching Chappelle's Show on Netflix. 
That was not the first time I had seen it, though. I can't remember seeing it. Like, I must have watched this when I was living in New York when, you know, when I was in high school, but I have no recollection of actually doing so. I think there might have been a few cases where, Zach, when you and I were hanging out, going to the movies, that we were, like, quoting Chappelle's shows, things at each other, but I don't think we ever watched it together. So I'm sorry to say, audience, that I think this, the, my memory and context with Chappelle's show is in the part of my brain that's degrading faster than the rest of it, if you catch my drift. <laughs> so I really don't know. I can say for a fact that I love it, and I will watch it all the time almost. It's one of the go-to sketch comedy shows that we're going to discuss in this fort month. But yeah, I, I, I don't really remember a lot of my background with it, so I'm sorry to disappoint, Zach. <laughs> Well, I remember this was a big thing with Sal and I. Like, I, when the Lost episodes premiered in two thousand six, was when I was first getting to really know Sal. And, like, that was kind of like I don't want to say that was our bonding thing, mm-hmm. but it was kind of like I remember the D. De- I remember like because this aired the Lost episodes aired like the first three. I don't know whether it was Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays of July of two thousand six, and it was like three days after the last episode aired, the DVD was already like that following Tuesday. So like, there oh, wasn't God. that much of a time. So I remember like asking Sal, being like, "Oh, did you see like the final episode?" He's like, "No, I missed it Thursday. I'll have to catch like a rerun." I'm like, "No, I have the DVD. We can watch it right now." And yeah, and Chappelle show, it's funny because as a bunch of fourteen year old white kids, we couldn't really quote this too much. Like even then, we kind of knew like, okay, you don't. Like you can like I remember the big thing was in freshman year of high school. Oh, yeah, like yeah. that like you couldn't like that was like right before borat i think the borat impersonation kind of overtook that but like mm-hmm. you would be like I, I would imagine rob can picture this quite clearly in our high school you'd be like sitting in a classroom the door would be open and you'd be taking a test quiz something and some kid would like walk by outside in the hallway and be like yeah. and every, yeah. everyone would laugh because everybody knew what it was Mm-hmm. And then, then come November, it was whoa, 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 whoa. my name Borat. Yeah, and that's where, and then yeah. it kind of just, it, it disappeared after that. And plus, again, like that was it for Chappelle show. There was no more. There was no reason for like the pop culture zeitgeist to focus on it. Exactly, exactly. You know, I think I think the thing that permeates the most to to this day is I'm Rick James, bitch, or of fuck your couch. Like those, those are the things that I think people, you know, if even if they're not the ones saying them frequently, when they hear it, they're gonna know that's Chappelle show. Oh, yeah, and that's the fun thing about this is that, like, there are, like, over time, it could sad to see that some of this, the resi- the resonance of this show has diminished because mm-hmm. they're really, I think about the creator, the titular creator host of the show wants nothing to do with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and it's, it's nothing short of shocking that this thing still survives, even with its creator kind of, like, hating its existence. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah. That's something I definitely want to get into in this discussion is kind of, you know, it's it's legacy as we always talk about but it, this this is kind of a weird one in our in our fort month of sketch comedy because it, it it is over it ended in under maybe strange circumstances relatively and i think i guess i'll ask you now zach do you think that's part of why it gets so much love is that you know it didn't it didn't exist long enough to become the villain type of thing yes well the weird thing, though, is that, like I don't want to delve too much into legacy before we delve into any part of the show. Okay, but it's the idea of this is a show, and the reason why this show probably, it most likely, I think it'd be fair to say, it's a seminal moment in sketch comedy, if not in all of television. It, I think this transcends sketch comedy and it goes beyond just that uh, label or genre, in that it, it tackled issues with the human condition, with yeah. race, gender all these things, the culture, 
in a way that it brought everybody to the table. In a weird way, Chappelle's show is a, in, I don't want to say an evolution, but it's certainly like a, a sibling to something like The Simpsons, where it poked fun at everyone, hence everyone could find it funny. Okay. And it's a shame that we currently live in a culture now where you're not allowed to laugh at anyone. For the same yeah. reason why this show resonated with so many people back in the day is the exact reason why it can't really be discussed anymore. Yeah, that's a good point. And I know that's something that we're going to discuss when we get into um, sketches and the meat of Chappelle's show. But I think Zach and I are in agreement where if, if any of these sketches were put on you know, an editor's table today, it would get the biggest, fattest, quickest red X ever. You cannot yeah. make these jokes anymore. And I know for Zach and I, that's one of the reasons we love this is because it is, I think you said, you used the word, it's almost a snapshot of a time in history that we will never get to experience again. At least, for the, hopefully, for the foreseeable future. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> sure, we're, yeah. we're not, again, it's not the darkest timeline. Hopefully, people come to their senses and realize there's, we come together when we can laugh at each other, not sit in our respective corners like a middle mm-hmm. school dance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's and that's the yeah. Hopefully, but no, that's why I think it is that there, there's nothing else like this, or at least during its the, the time frame it existed. Who knows prior? Because there, there again, there's been black comedians for, for years mm. prior to Dave Chappelle, mm. but nobody was able to tackle the issues he did in the way he did on again basic cable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, in in some of my research, you know, I was I was thinking of that exact topic, Zach, and I was looking to things that came before this. And I think if you ask anybody, you know, not maybe someone who's not as well versed with all of sketch comedy, but just of the major titles, I think if you want to talk about, you know, sketch comedy and race relations, you know, at least in the way Chappelle's show focuses on them, people are either going to say, okay, they think about it and they say Key and Peel, that came after this, so that doesn't count. But then I think there's a lot of people who would say something like In Living Color. But there's there's such a divide. In Living Color was certainly a different style and structure of show. And yes, they might have hit on some of the same topics, but they did it in no way, shape, or form like Chappelle did. Mm-hmm. So so you're right. It is it is unique. I think now, of course, we if we go back in the day, yes, there are some sketch comedy things even Rob is unfamiliar with. So maybe there's something out there. But but no, I, I think that this this is such such a unique momentous moment in sketch comedy and like zach said you know just media in general it's always going to have that stamp even if people want to forget that it happened you know like like mute r kelly i don't think there's anyone saying mute dave Chappelle, but but it's always going to exist and we i don't think we're ever going to get anything like it you're right that's the problem i guess thing i'm afraid of though and again this is going into more legacy again is that like in a weird way, Dave Chappelle is the reason why like, he's responsible for where we are now in the culture. In a way, because he's part of that mindset now that like, and again, we don't know. We don't know what happened during the filming of season three, mm-hmm. or even if it wasn't anything part of it. Maybe it was just something that was happening in his personal life that just bled into the show. It's the idea that like Dave Chappelle is in a way was like, or at least the the reason why it's made or it's assumed that he stopped doing this was that he felt uncomfortable in the fact he felt his show was reaffirming racial stereotypes and not yes. lambasting and lampooning them. Yeah, yeah, it definitely. He's gone on record so many times, you know, back when he was working on the show and now more recently where he says, you know, people people didn't get it like people were people were taking this and it was reinforcing the negative things that he was trying to show in almost a satirical way. And yeah. and yeah, I think that was that was a huge issue, absolutely, um, for why he left the show and why it ended, of course. Um, and you know, even I think it was a great quote 
you know, when when someone interviewed him, I think it was it was recently. I think it was um, Gail King interviewed him, and they were just you know walking and talking. And Dave says something that you know he says that to him, comedy is the reconciliation of a paradox. We'll come back to that because I have a lot to talk about with that concept in terms of his style style of humor. But he goes on to say that when he realized that, he thought it was a mo- an, an irreconcilable moment for him. He was very successful in this place, but the emotional content of it didn't feel like he imagined it should. So he was creating these sketches, and whatever function that gets applied through the the Hollywood machine or, you know, the, the TV studio machine, whatever you want to call it, that it was getting morphed into something that he didn't feel was appropriate to be putting out there. And I get that. I get that for sure. You know, you do you do artwork, you write some de- things down, people take it a different way and, and you feel weird about it. And he just kind of, you know, that stress got to him and, and he took it, you know, to Africa almost. I think that's the that's the joke. He ran away to Africa, even though I think he technically did go to Africa, South Africa for like two weeks. But yes. yeah, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Zach, where, you know, it's it was it was taken the wrong way. Yeah, because uh, like I said, we, all we have is the record of what is out there. We don't know. Again, I don't think Dave, again, Dave Chappelle has been candid to a certain degree, mm-hmm. but we'll never know for certain like what other elements. And I can't imagine too, like the, the more popular something becomes, the more people, the executives want to put their fingers into it. Yeah. When it's just some random comedians sketch comedy show with a very minimal budget. It's like, let him do whatever he wants. If he sinks his own ship, that's his own problem. We at least tried, but the more it becomes popular, the more people want to get their fingers into it. I don't know, but I do feel... I I think you're absolutely right, because just as Paul Mooney says in a sketch we'll discuss, can't let black people have too much fun. The white man's going to come and take it from them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think think there's a lot of moments in this show that are oddly prophetic of what was to come. And I think there's there's a reason why the very last sketch ever of uh, Chappelle's show is him talking to... uh, Show business. Uh, show business. <laughs> yep. and, and, and the thing about the final shot of Chappelle's show is Dave Chappelle turning his back on Hollywood and walking away. Yeah. That, yeah. Like, and that, and it's funny. I never, of all the dozens upon dozens of times I've watched the show, it's not until th- watching it for this recording that, that finally dawned on me. The final <laughs> sketch of Chappelle's show is Dave literally turning his back on Hollywood and walking away. Yep. Yep. It fits. <laughs> Which makes you, I love to know, I love to talk to whoever was the editor for that episode and be like, you did that. On, please tell me even if you didn't do it on purpose. Just tell me you did it on purpose. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> All right, Rob, we ready to delve into some sketch comedy of the Chappelle flavor? Yeah, yeah. I think um, I guess I want to start this whole discussion by by um, reiterating something I've said on the previous three episodes of our sketch comedy Fort Month. Um, that everything, you know, all eight episodes we're going to discuss, Zach handed the reins over to me. He said, you pick the eight, you pick the order, pick some episodes that we're going to watch and talk about, all good. And when we got to things like the Amanda show and Chappelle's show, things that I knew Zach was familiar with, I said to him, you know, once you you get my list of episodes, if there's any sketches you remember and you want to talk about, like, let me know. And that happened in the Amanda show. I gave, what, four or five episodes of the Amanda show to you. And then you were like, oh, you know, here's a link to a Maha sketch because that wasn't in the episodes. And so I figured, you know, after our discussion for Amanda show, that would happen again because, you know, of course, I couldn't pick all of Chappelle's show. Um, I picked five episodes, I believe, a little over two hours long um, because I I was okay with that because I always want to keep it in like the hour 45 to hour 50 minute range. But since I knew Zach loved this and I loved it, I said, oh, a little longer. He's not going to complain. Little did I know. When I asked Zach for what sketches he would like to add to this list, he took our two hours and two minutes 
and cranked it up to three hours and 57 minutes. So we are, I literally was like binging Chappelle's show in the last two days. Honestly, it happened earlier today. One of my buddies that I'm working on music with, he texts me and he asked me uh, like a question about one of the songs we're working on. And I had to text him back and go, oh, my bad. I didn't get to that last night because I had to watch an excessive amount of Chappelle's show. And he texted me back and goes, that doesn't sound too bad. And I go, no, it wasn't bad. <laughs> but I want to put this in perspective. Four hours of Chappelle's show that we watched, all of my files related to Chappelle's show, which I don't think we have talked about, but I have some weird episodes where some musical guests are edited out, so it's not the full length. This is 41% of my Chappelle show that we're discussing. If you look on Binge Clock, that website that tells you how much time will I have to spend if I want to wait, if I want to watch this entire show, they say Chappelle's show is 17 hours. I feel like they're counting commercials to get to that number. Okay. Um, because I I think, I think if you, you know, if you say 30 minutes an episode, you can get to 17 hours, but at 21 to 22 minutes an episode, you're not getting there. Plus a lot lot of the the first season for the most part, is like 17 minutes long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm pretty sure binge clock is counting commercials. So if you, if you go to binge clock for 17 hours, we're watching roughly a quarter of that. (laughs) And then if, uh, if you go to my files and what Zach and I have, I think that's closer to 40%. This is the most we're doing out of all of sketch comedy. I just want to let everybody know that I joked about it saying, how do I get Zach to watch all of Mr. Show with Bob and David back on episode two of this series? I, I think I could have gotten away with saying Zach were doing all of Chappelle's show. Because as Zach told me a few days ago, he watched all of Chappelle's show in preparation for this. Is that accurate? Yes, Rob. I watched all of Chappelle's show for this. So yeah, pretty much we're just discussing the entirety of this. So, so this is great. I actually feel like we're doing this justice to some extent, where Zach and I both have watched the entirety of this series, and now we're discussing it. That's a good thing because I think it's for completeness, it's good, but it's a it's a bad thing in the sense that whenever I take my notes on sketch comedy, I will highlight lines that I think are funny, but I didn't give myself enough information to remember really the context <laughs> for Chappelle's show since I had to watch four hours of it. So I think as we go through sketches, there's going to be some lines I've written down that Zach might need to rem- or we might need to remind each other of where they came from and why I thought they were funny. So this is going to be great. I'm excited. And as Zach and I discussed, we were just going to run through it in chronological order. So, you know, starting from season one, episodes in order, that type of thing. We have some sketches to highlight. And the first one was a Zach's choice. It's also one that I've actually used as a clip before on Cinemodities in our Alita Battle Angel episode. If Zach remembers that discussion where I threw a Clayton Bigsby clip in there. So since this was Zach's choice... Uh, I don't even know, I don't think I need to be told why you chose this, but maybe for our audience, what stands out to you about the black Klansman that Dave Chappelle <laughs> reports in this frontline newscast? <laughs> well, I, th- I think it's, I guess, a black-white supremacist sketch, being, being the, uh, oh God, I don't want to say marquee, but the grand sketch of your first episode, like the audacious nature of that in 2003. Like, again, oh, yeah. that... That would be audacious now for a black comedian to do. Never yeah, mind back then where they're really, again, there, there was some groundwork laid, but this was like, and again, for basic cable, this wasn't yeah. HBO, this wasn't Showtime, this was basic cable that for, mo- for most Americans, you could turn this on at like, I don't know what time Chappelle showed, or if I had to guess, probably say 10, maybe 11. 
I and, you know what I didn't I didn't look that up, so I'm not sure. It it doesn't matter. What's the difference between an yeah, hour? Yeah. But but it's the whole idea that like you have a sketch like this, and it's such a oh lord, it's it's a hilarious how he does it. It's all about execution because if if any other comedian attempted to do this, chances are it would fall on its face and just be like, oh, this is horrible. Like there's nothing mm-hmm. funny about this, but it's just. I guess that a lot of it has to do is that why this show works is Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle understands every aspect of this and every layer because even how like we're introduced to Dave, uh, we're introduced this. We have the front line piece, and even before that, we have uh, the the introduction by the host narrator of Frontline, and this this segment will, will contain uh, blah 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 and gratuitous use of the word of the M word. Yes. That's right, I said it, <laughs> M word. And it's like, oh, oh, it's like, okay, again, he puts us right into the deep end immediately. Yeah, it's like it's just you, you in know, your face, yeah, in your face. And we go through like any good like investigative reporting piece to go find this elusive Clayton Bigsby, and mm-hmm. we're going through the things, and we're taught like we see shots of like all these like sketchy characters until eventually our our host character, whose name I forget, goes up and we see him. It's like, uh, excuse me, we see Clayton and his wife like on the front porch of the rocking chairs. And it's like, would you, do you have to know where Clayton Bixby is? Well, you found, and Dave Chappelle has like a great voice. Like in all honesty, I'm shocked that Dave Chappelle hasn't done more voice acting because yeah. he has such, has such a recognizable, unique voice. And it's like, well, you found him, Buster. He's right here. He's me. And then like the kid, like it freezes on me. Like it zooms in the narration. How could this be? Yeah. And there's a even, black, there's white supremacist. There's <laughs> that where the, the, the host says something like he's like, when when he when he's like Clayton Bigsby is like you found him and he goes Clayton Bigsby the author and and Dave Chappelle goes you think because I'm blind I can't write books and then it goes how could this be a black white supremacist and it's not sure we're in the right place we're looking for Clayton Bigsby well, look no further fella you found me uh, Clayton Bigsby the author what you don't think I can write them books. Just because I'm blind don't mean I'm dumb. How could this have happened? A black white supremacist. I think that's the beauty of this sketch, because this is one of the sketches I would say is in like the hall of fame of creativity in sketch comedy, because there is no layer that is unnecessary to this. Yes. Even when even when they get to the probably my favorite part of the sketch, when they get to the like the guy is trying to investigate uh, Clayton Bigsby's childhood. And so he's at a <laughs> home for the blind. Every kid here is blind, but they have the, like the headmistress of the home says that it would be easier <laughs> to tell all the blind children that everybody was white rather than not mention race at all. Like that is so genius. That's genius. Cause it's hilarious. Cause you know, Oh, we have to tell the, the black blind kid that he's white. But it's even more genius because it's getting at that race relation of it's mm-hmm. like, oh, we have blind people and people with sight are telling them about the concept of race. Yes. Genius. That's genius. These are the things that I think people don't think about, you know? Well, that's, These are the things a- that people want to talk about race today. And it's like they just be like, OK, yeah, you know, race infects everybody. And it's like, how, how can you tell me racism affects someone who's been blind by birth unless you feed it into their brain? And Dave Chappelle's getting at that. It's fantastic. Well, that's the thing, though, is that it, this operates not just on every level. It efficiently operates to the peak performance on every level. That's that's the thing, is that in, in the, in, to make this note a weird, uh, a little clunky of an analogy, but this is kind of like the Citizen Kane of sketch comedy shows. <laughs> to have your first episode, your first major sketch – 
be this profound. This re- again, Dave Chappelle is kind of like the Orson Welles, and Clayton Bixby is the Citizen Kane of sketch <laughs> sketches because yeah, it really yeah. it come, he comes right out of the gate with again. It's not Rick James. Rick James would eventually tower over everything or mm-hmm. dwarf everything else in the Chappelle Show sketch canon. But it really is until Rick James. This was the sketch. Yep, absolutely. Well, maybe okay. R. Kelly too. R. A lot of that also takes R. Kelly's to blame too for the proliferation of the sure. R. Kelly sketch. Sure. But, uh, yeah, yeah. That well, one had well, more of a, a cultural um, anchor point than this did, I think. Yeah. At least exactly. in the time it aired, absolutely. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot more we could go into the Clayton. We probably could do an entire episode on Clayton Bigsby. Yes. <laughs> but uh, no, that being said, it's it's one of those things where, like Rob said, it brings – and plus you do have the element, too, that like even though it's about a black-white supremacist, the ultimate joke is on the white supremacists in the audience because they're listening to all this uh, hateful rhetoric mm-hmm. from, from, this, from this guy, from Clayton Bixby, and the joke's on them at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, Zach, as you said, we could spend the whole episode just discussing this sketch. That is probably going to be true for a lot of the sketches we discuss. And so for the sake of this not being, you know, triple the length of the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom episode, we will have to breeze through some of these a little quicker yes. than others. So so uh, that's that's kind of the, the trade-off for us having watched the entirety of Chappelle's show. <laughs> yes. Certain segments. Again, I, I was going through my notes, and even when I gave Rob my... I gave Rob an abridged version of my notes. Oh, God. Okay, right on. So the, there was even more <laughs> stuff written down that Rob didn't get to hear. Fantastic. Or didn't get to highlight. Hey, kids. Rob and Zach actually ended up discussing Chappelle's show for about four hours. Since we never want to release anything longer than our infamous Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom episode, please enjoy the abridged version of our discussion from here on out. <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, Rob, are we, I guess we're moving on to uh, uh, Tyrone Biggums. Yeah, yeah. The next one Zach threw at me was Season 1, Episode 2, the Tyrone Biggums sketch, in which he is... Um, giving a, a talk about drugs to a, a classroom full of elementary school students. I love this sketch, and I have to say, since it takes place in front of children, it really makes me think of Wondershowsen, now that I know what Wondershowsen is. So it'll be interesting to compare the two when we talk about that two weeks from now, right? Folks, we'll, yeah. we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get more into that later on, folks, but he's lying. He, he knew about Wondershowsen a long time because he wrote it. <laughs> Remember that, I folks? Mean, like, he, I mean, he like, wrote future pro-retroactively, I don't know, I don't understand, I don't think... Zach's time travel and and his knowledge of me in the future and the past is definitely more rigorous than the end game time travel, but that doesn't mean I understand it yet. <laughs> it's all right. You'll, you'll you'll eventually build the wearable device that goes around your wrist that will make sense of it all. Okay, okay. Yeah, maybe we'll get more on that in the Wonder Shows in episode, but yes. So Tyrone Biggums, I love this sketch, um, of course, because Tyrone Biggums is a fantastic character. Um, I love that when he has to leave or whatever – from the, the classroom, he says he says to the teacher, thank you, teacher bitch. <laughs> I I think, I like, I've had, of course, I've mentioned on here, I've taught classes before. I've had students call me, you know, they call me doctor when I'm not a doctor. They call me professor. They call me, you know, hey, you. They call me mister. Um, someone has called me teach. It made me laugh because I, I only, I've only, feel, like, heard that in movies and stuff. If someone ever, like, handed in a paper to me and then as they were leaving said, thank you, teacher bitch, I, I could not. I could not get that angry at them unless it was like blatantly not a Chappelle show reference. Like if it was said with a lot of animosity. So I'm hoping one day someone will be like, thank you, teach a bitch. And I'll be like, Tyrone Biggums. <laughs> no, this, I think, I think, I don't know what Zach wants to highlight from here, but you know, Tyrone Biggums describes what must be, must've been the most intense acid ever um, to the, these little kids. 
there's credits to this sketch, which is really strange, I think. But in the credits, there's a special thank you to the Reagan and Bush administration. <laughs> so it, it's all over the place. What stood out to you from this sketch, Zach? Other oh, than God. just our introduction to crackhead Tyrone Biggums. Oh, oh, everything about that. I remember like this was like <laughs> one of the first. Because again, I didn't see the second season until that came out on DVD, and that was like a few months later. So I kind okay. of I lived on season one for a while. And and this is really when I was starting to grow my DVD collection. So I only had like a handful. No, I don't want to say a handful, but I only had probably around like I don't know fifty DVDs, give or take. So this was like my thing. And this was like one of the. This was the sketch that really. This was the one that blew my mind when I was like twelve years old and watching this. Okay, okay. And so you have the whole like the idea of having it in front of a bunch of children in the juxtaposition of again he's in a classroom. He's saying all these things you would never say in a classroom, and that's even funnier. When you're a kid that has to go to school yeah. every day, yeah, and I and I think again you had things like I, I would go around quoting, be like, and, and Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and Mickey My, Mickey Mouse are doing the baseline like ba 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 boo, ba 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 boo, like that's just like I, I don't know why. I, I, none, for the record, this was and we'll eventually get to something like like a lot of. I don't understand why a lot of this appealed to me when I was 12 years old. Okay. It's in the same veins to why like something like crank yankers applied to like, like appealed to me so much when I was like 10 and 11. I'll never figure that out, but we'll get, we'll, we'll delve into crank yankers some sometime in the future. Yes. Yeah. We have I, to get to that eventually. I haven't seen that in forever. I'm excited to watch more or rewatch that. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that though. But so I want to save a lot of that, like dissecting why that appealed to me sure. but with something like Chappelle show like that again the whole thing about acid i don't know what acid is acid's the thing that's in the alien movies when you kill the alien it bleeds <laughs> out i don't know what acid is yeah like what does that mean like i know about like cocaine and marijuana but like i didn't know what pcp was i didn't know any of that stuff mm. and so like you have that though but like when, like and the thing that made me die laughing was like he goes through his entire thing in, in like any sort of good comedic bit sketch it keeps building and building and building and then you have the teacher it, it keeps it cuts between him and the teacher the teacher's like i think or she says something and it cuts back to him it doesn't he she goes, say she's like he was the worst speaker i've ever had in front of a classroom or something he's he's the worst speaker about drugs in the history of drugs <laughs> awesome. and, she, and so we keep cutting to her like like post reaction to all him and then the final time we get and that kid's was the first time I ever sucked a dick for crack. Yeah, and that yep. and that was just like you know what I'm done. I'm like like I'm done. <laughs> and, that, and it's funny in that moment. It's funny. Dave Chappelle is reading our minds as the audience because the teacher literally pulls the boombox away from him. And that's mm-hmm. the thing too. Is just you have the layers. Of this he's talking into like a kitty karaoke system. He's yes. holding the little mic, the wired microphone with the little boombox speaker. And he goes, <laughs> I, and like Rob said, I wasn't done, but he, he said I wasn't done yet though. But you can take it from me, teacher bitch. Yeah. It's like <laughs> <laughs> Mr. for that lovely and moving and graphic story. You welcome, teacher bitch. <gasps> I'm not finished, but that's all right. And yeah, and you have all these things too, like Rogan, not to delve too far into Tyrone Biggums. But yeah, because he's gonna come back up again. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, uh, but yeah, no. Tyrone Biggums is a again a, a home run of a sketch in like anything in entertainment. It's hard enough knocking it out of the park on your first try. It takes a lot to do it just as well the second time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're right. Yeah. So uh, next, Rob, where are we delving into next? Oh, uh, so once again, another Zach's choice. I guess we should say that, with the exception of maybe one sketch. I picked episodes, Zach picked sketches, so we're still on the sketches. Season one, episode three, um, I think Zach and I have always thought of it as the same 
title, the Big Titties sketch. This is the sketch that is basically um, what's uh, uh, it's like. It's a Wonderful Life, or it's like um, the the a Christmas Carol or whatever, where basically the ghost of the ghost of boobs past says like, "This is what you get if you wish your giant breasts away." (laughs) Well, what it is is that you have a woman, and she's very well endowed, very voluptuous, and like she forgets to wear like a sports bra to like the track. Her like her her boobs keep going up and down. We have like different people being like, "Wow, check out the bazungas on her." It's mm-hmm. a thing we're talking about you. And then, like, the priest comes out. It's like, whoa, look at the knockers on that brunette. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And she's like, she's like, Brenda. Or no, no, that's Brenda's name. It's, it's like, Julie, I don't know what I'm going to do. Brenda, it'll be fine. She slaps her. It's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we see her, like, in the locking locker room. She's like, I wish I could just wish these boobs away. Dave Chappelle appears at the time as, like, some sort of, like, specter warning her about the perils if she had smaller breasts. And we go through, like, all these different, again, like Rob said, very Christmas Carol-esque, like, what would happen if all these things and one of the like you see different things where it's like she gets rejected for a promotion at work her mm-hmm. like her neighbor who she always asked to help like do chores rejects her like re- doesn't offer to help her anymore yeah. but the one bit i always found the most funny in this or was the at the bridal dress yes. fitting or like, yes. like, like dave's like where is this it's like oh these are my friends she's like oh these are my friends they're not gonna say anything bad about me and they're like and he's like oh let's take a look and see and we'll insert the clip here but the friends like like one of the friends is like oh where's where's brenda it's like i was gonna invite her but i didn't want my bridal shower being itty bitty titty committee and yeah. then like all of them start laughing like in the most like fake laugh possible and i asked and that's that's funny but the thing i love the most i love like dave Chappelle's like in the background like going through the cash register stealing the money and he's like <laughs> flapping his arms like doing this like great like just like white woman like laugh like just gestation movement and i've always found that funny he's like has like this weird flailing motion and that's just like tickled me every single time even to this viewing oh yeah it's great i'm glad you bring up that bit because i love i love that the bridal shot it's my friends are you sure about that (laughs) and then and then when he steals for some reason on this viewing i I uh, I was intrigued by him stealing money from the cash <laughs> register. I don't know why. It, it it is funny, but like for some reason when I watched this, I I got like zoomed in on it and focused in on it so much so that when I watched it, I like reround it, watched it again at regular speed, and I got it in my head that I was like, I need to know what money he's taking <laughs> because in in like the quick one to two second shot of the cash register where he where we see him like it's an overhead shot of the cash register drawer and he takes a stack of money out. The other stack of money that he doesn't touch is ones. They're singles. Okay. So I'm like I'm like okay, what did he take? Did he take more singles? Because I thought that's where I thought it would be like the joke is he's gonna take a bunch of singles to use the strip club or something. But I went through it. I tried to freeze frame it. And you you can't see the the stack of money like fully that he takes. I think the shot starts when he's like grabbing it and folding it up into a wad. But there's one or two frames, probably more, um, that you can see the picture of Grant on the bill. Oh. Those are fifty dollar bills. <laughs> I can <gasps> all, I I like to imagine that he grabbed a stack of fifty dollar bills out of a cash register. And if anybody who's ever worked retail before, you do not keep that many fifty bills in a ca- fifty dollar bills in a cash register. <laughs> so I thought I don't know for some reason on this viewing I thought that was hilarious that he steals money and it's a stack of fifties. <laughs> retail humor, folks. That's a layer to the show you never thought you'd hear discussed. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I that was one of my notes. 
Another one of my notes is, as I said, I have a line. I think I remember where this came from, but I just wrote down in quotation marks the phrase, I'm high on PCP. <laughs> full, di- full disclaimer, Rob was not high on PCP now, now or when he was watching this, so it had to come from the episode. And I think it was when it's revealed that Dave isn't like this ghostly apparition. He's just a janitor, right? Yes. He's like, well, I'm a janitor that loves some titties. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, that's the thing I've always like taken from this show. Like, I've used it a couple of times now. Anytime I could, is like the joke. Like, he's like, "Well, thank you," but she's like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm just." He says something like, "Oh, I'm just a janitor." And it's like, "But wait, how are we able to have all these visions?" He goes, "Bitch, I was high on PCP. Yes, I'm more, yes. I, I'm more confused about how you were able to follow me this entire time." He kind of <laughs> looks on her. And he's like, "You, you smoke Sherman? You smoke little Sherman?" She's like, "No." He's like, "Little Sherman?" And it's like. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. Yeah. But, like, one thing I do want to mention, because that's, I don't think I've, do you have anything else to say? Oh, I, I guess the one thing I do want, two more things I want to mention about this, is that, like, the idea of, like, oh, I've been high on PCP, is that in every single time I've had, like, a health class, and I've had, like, this is more, this is high school, obviously, in middle school, and we had to do video projects, mm-hmm. I've always included the joke of, like, a main character, show, like, being on, like, some sort of, like, Oh Lord, what would you call it? Like again, it's like it's a wonderful life or a Christmas Carol quest yeah. to learn the, the, the wrongdoings. And like the main ca- the main character would be like, wait, how are you able to show me all this? And I've all I've used the joke twice now, I'll say, Well, I'm high on life. And by life, I mean a mixture of Dayquil and Nyquil. And that's what, <laughs> yes. Because I can't you can't say PCP because like, like teachers will get mad at you. You say like like the character is supposed to be teach like your your Jiminy Cricket says, Oh, I can show you all these things because I'm high on PCP. Yeah. That will not work. But if you do something like that, but no, I, I have borrowed from this sketch at least nice. a few times in my creative endeavors. Right on. Right but on. <laughs> there's what I watched the deleted scenes for season one of Chappelle show and like outtakes. Cool. And in one in the bit where he they're in the um they're in the the office of her boss that denies her the promotion. And after like she gets walked out and like another one of the underlings is like fire that like small titted bitch or whatever whatever phrase he used. That flat chested bitch was a bore. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And but there was a longer bit where after she walks out, or maybe it was instead of the other guy walking in, the boss takes out like a a porno mag in like a bottle of lotion and starts to masturbate and <laughs> brenda turns around to dave and goes i can't believe men do this and he, dave turns around to brenda and i have to get it right he goes brenda when was the last time you heard about a man masturbating to a woman's personality <laughs> oh right on right on <laughs> and that's what I, I thought that was such a funny clever line i'm like oh that's so much better than the other guy coming in but, uh, yeah, right on, I, right on. yeah. So even to this day, uh, 15 plus years later, still learning things about Chappelle show. Yeah. And I, I'm glad you say it that way because I I've mentioned it on cinemodities before, but not too often. Cause we don't really talk about things that fall into the category of this for me, but I love comedy shows or humor laden shows, um, things that I find funny such that when I rewatch them, I pick up on jokes. I did not the first time. And Chappelle's show is a great example of that. Even I, even though I'd seen all this before and I knew where the sketches were going in general, it's like there's it's so densely packed with clever and and in like ingenious lines that you know one you watch it once you laugh you miss a joke the next time you expect that joke so you're not laughing and you get to hear the the joke you missed the first time it's fantastic. There's so many layers that we get to unpack every time we watch it. Oh yes. 
So, and then that brings us to the the biggest or the longest sketch of this episode, um, the Mad Real World. I have to say, this is one of my favorite sketches of Chappelle's show. And I gotta say, I think this might be one of my favorite sketches of all sketch comedy. I love the Mad Real World. For anybody who's unfamiliar with it, the premise is the real world. Except instead of having mostly white people and one or two black people, it's swapped. The whole house is black, except for Christian Finnegan, who... I had seen in a bunch of places, and when I looked at his IMDb page, I realized he's been in nothing else notable other than this sketch, as far as I'm concerned. One white guy. And just comedy ensues. I, I have so much to say about this sketch, Zach. Just with, with some of the lines that are revealed, some of the people in it. Um, where do you want to start with this one? I guess I should ask you, Zach, do you, do you hold this in as high a regard as I just explained it in terms of sketch comedy? Uh, no, I do not hold it in okay, high regard okay. as you do, but I do think it's worth noting that it's the first introduction, the first ske- uh, sketch we ever get with the Chappelle show Trinity, Dave Chappelle, Charlie Murphy, and Donnell Rawlings. Yeah, It's the first sketch where we get all three of them together. Uh, again, we'll, we'll delve more into Charlie Murphy, but Charlie Murphy's, I, I think it's kind of sad that like after the Chappelle show, nobody knew what to do with Charlie Murphy. Like yeah. clearly he's a, he's, he's a talented comedian in his own right. And nobody knew how to utilize him as well as Dave Chappelle. Yeah, I, th- I think that that goes, as you're saying, of course, after Chappelle's show. I think overall, you know, it, it, it bums me out. Like, before Zach and I started recording, we were talking about a show that I don't want to mention because I don't want to get into it. But basically, Zach had me watch an episode of the show. And at one point, I was like, oh, it's Mac Miller. Wait, no, he's dead. And that bummed me out because I, I really liked Mac Miller. Um, I mean, I still do. I like his music. This bums me out when I watch Chappelle's show because I look at Charlie Murphy. And I love Charlie Murphy. And then I have to realize he's dead too. And that sucks. He was fantastic as a comedian. I would say I like him better than Eddie Murphy. At least with all the like BS Eddie Murphy has gone and done with his career. Like, you know, I, I love Charlie Murphy. And it bums me out that we lost him at such a young age. It's a shame about uh, Charlie Murphy. It yeah. really is. So, but, so I, I, oh, go for it. Uh, no, you know, I, have this, I have this sketch on right now. And this, like I said, this wasn't one of my like all-time favorites. It's not. It's funny. It has its moments, but like again, the moments I, I, I like my favorite moment in this is Dave Chappelle at the juicer. Like they're working in the juice shop. Oh Dave yeah. Dave Chappelle's like, yeah. like he's he's just putting everything into the juicer and has like a little like like knobby that you use to push it all down so you don't like nip your fingers. And he's putting in like cigarette butt, a lit cigarette. He's, he's oh no, he's one. he's putting in so he's putting in a blunt, Zach. That is a, oh, is that, what it is? that oh. is a marijuana cigar he's putting in that thing. Absolutely. Oh, okay. <laughs> then he said to you, what, once you start pouring in there, it literally just it's a juicer. You don't need to put it into the juicer. He's just pouring it straight through. Yeah, yeah. He's putting like vodka or cognac or something in there. <laughs> I I do love that part, especially when they're all because the white Christian Finnegan, the white guy, is like um, you know, I had a problem with the way the other housemates were handling the job. I felt like they weren't, you know, honoring the responsibility. And then he like goes into the alleyway behind the juice bar and he and he's like yelling at the guys to do work while they're all playing dice on a cardboard box. Yep. And then and then he's like Christian Finnegan's going back in to do more work and we had uh, we get a great line where I think Dave Chappelle says Sell me some juice, bitch. I'm thirsty. And then Donnell Rollin goes, and a Philly blunt. And then Dave Chappelle goes back with, and a banana cognac, biatch. And, like, it's perfectly said. Sell me some juice, bitch. I'm thirsty. Give me a Philly blunt, son. And a banana cognac, biatch. 
Like, that gets me every single time. And like I said, I think that's part of the reason I love this so much. And as we've already mentioned, Dave Chappelle is a phenomenal... He knows how to utilize his voice. And when... I think he's Tron in this sketch. Yeah. And, and earlier, I think when they all get introduced to each other, Christian Finnegan is, like, having a... You know, he's, he's awkward in this situation because, you know, there's all these black people. And he, I think there's the confessional where he's like, I didn't expect there to be so many black people in the house, all that stuff. And there's some some weird thing where... He's like, Where, what's my room? And they say, all the rooms are taken, so you have to room with Tyree, who is uh, Charlie Murphy. And there's like that weird pan to him where he's like a hard-ass thug type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then Christian Finnegan starts to walk up the stairs of the house. And Dave Chappelle starts to have like this fit where he's just like rolling around laughing in his chair and he's saying random things. And one of the things he says, we'll put the clip in because I will never be able to do it justice. But he's like laughing and he's like, ah, what's the square root of this apartment, bitch? <laughs> and I'm like, what? And cows and cotton dances. <laughs> what's the square root of this apartment? <laughs> What does that mean? What's the square root of this apartment? I, but I love it. I don't know what it means, but I love it. <laughs> Even prior to that, like Tyree tells tells uh, the white oh. guy, he's like, he's like, you better sit down when you pee. It's like, yeah, we don't, we don't, no, no standing while you pee here. You sit down to pee. <laughs> and isn't like Dave Chappelle says something? Like, Tron says something like, "Nighty night, keep your butt hold tight." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh God. Another thing that I want to mention about this sketch, uh, the voice acting is amazing. Where, I mean, you know, the whole the end of the sketch where it's like, you know, Tyree, you had sex with Ka- you had sex with my girlfriend. I did not have sex with Katie. No, Tyree, you had sex with me too. Correction, I had sex with Katie. <laughs> like it's all perfect. But I do want to mention that um, the the guy that I don't think he's a house member. I think he like comes Lysol. to visit. Lysol. Lysol, yeah, Lysol. He comes to visit. Because he's on, he's at a prison or something, or on parole. I I never would have remembered this. From the I wire, never made right? this. Oz. Oz. He might be in the wire, but he's Oz. So this Lysol is played by his stage name is Mums, but his real name is Craig Grant. He's poet on Oz, and oh, I have okay. seen all of Oz, and I really liked Oz um, solely because Christopher, not solely, but primarily because Christopher Maloney is playing someone who he would kill later on in. Law and Order SVU, but when we get to Law and Order at Oz, we'll talk about that. Um, fun fact, if you watch Oz, you get to see Christopher Maloney's butthole. That's a fun fact right there, Zach. But it's Poet. It's Poet from Oz. I never would have realized this unless I rewatched it for this recording or the next time I rewatched it. Oz is a great show. Poet is a great character. And I have to believe that these two sketches, or Oz and this sketch, are in the same universe. <laughs> because in Oz... Poet is in jail from the very beginning. Like, he's a prisoner from episode one. But I think by season three or season four, um, he gets parole. He has this whole appeal where, you know, the, the guy who runs M-City and and I think um, the, the head of the Muslims, like, help him uh, form an appeal and he gets parole or he gets something overturned. And so Poet gets released. And it's like this big part of the show where one of the people in their prison block gets released because they're like terrible, terrible convicts. And I'm not kidding in Oz. He is back in jail. The next episode, (laughs) like literally that's the plot point. He gets, he does all this work, like three seasons worth of work to get out of jail and murder someone as soon as he's out of jail. So I like to think that the first time he gets out of jail before he's sent back to M city, 
uh, he is with Tyree on the mad real world. What do we think, Zach? These are connected, right? <laughs> Shared television universe. Yes, that's my headcanon for Chappelle's show in Oz. <laughs> <sighs> so I thought that was great. I mean, I, I, will, I will always laugh at the very crude, crude, deadpan joke of Christian Finnegan going, be careful if you ever get a sleeper hold, because the next day your anus will really hurt. I don't know why. That's such a stupid joke, but I find that funny the way he delivers it. Just overall, you know, his dad gets shanked. Yeah, like a prison style shanking in 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 this apartment or this house. Everything about this just it hits on everything. It's a parody of reality TV, which I love. It's got the race relations, which I love. It has the white guy blowing up and saying, what is wrong with you people? And going on a rant only to be answered with, what does he mean, you people? It's got everything Rob wants from his sketch comedy. <laughs> Yeah, this, this is this, this is solid. Yeah, like no, it's not one of my favorites, but it's a solid one. Like even the like when uh, his father walks in, it's like I brought back brownies. And Donnell Wrong's like they got weed in them. <laughs> they got weed in them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as as I'm pretty sure he's smoking a blunt, and there's another blunt behind his ear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's, yeah. There, there's a lot to this sketch. This is a uh, like, even like you said with the Tyree thing. It's like no Tyree, you had sex with me too. Correction. Yeah, I had sex with Katie too, and he's like, I've done that before too, where someone will say something, like I'll say something, and someone's like, No, I don't think that's right. And I'll be like, Correction, and say the exact opposite. Oh yeah, I've <laughs> I've borrowed a lot from this. Like the things you can borrow in public, you yeah. can't go around and like start screaming like Nutty Night, keep your butthole tight. You can't you can't scream that at people. Unfortunately, yeah. I, I I guess I should say that probably the line from this that I quote the most is as uh, Christian Finnegan, the white guy, is leaving the house because they all say they don't feel safe with him in there he's leaving and as he's walking tron goes hey hey man i had sex with katie too (laughs) and then the confessional he's like katie got some big ass titties like that is what i quote a lot i will say to people people i'm not i won't even be talking about a female i'll be talking about someone without breasts and i'll be like katie's got some big ass titties and most people just look at me very confusedly but people that know me just say okay rob's making a reference to something that I don't know, so I'm just going to gloss over it. <laughs> but yeah, I, I love this sketch so much. I think I knew right off the bat when I was picking episodes we had to get to this one because it, I love it so much. And it's, it's, it's dense, and, and you know, it's, it's, all, it's all great. All right, then that gets us to season one, episode seven, next, <laughs> in which Zach said, okay, we have to discuss Stephen King asking Paul Mooney a question. So, Zach, let's get into it. Is that, is that what you want to focus on? Just the Stephen King bit? Yeah, or? Just, well, okay, the, okay. yeah, oh yeah. Because I find it, because again, the Paul Mooney thing is funny. Um, this is the whole shtick of Ask a Black Dude. And you have the thing, you have Stephen King who comes out of nowhere. And it's and, and like Paul Mooney picks up on it a bit. It's like, uh, do black people want to be picked up by, be buried by uh, uh, black undertakers? undertakers? And Paul, like, we'll sort the Paul Mooney response. Yeah, and doesn't he also say, do black people only want to be worked on by black dentists? Doesn't he ask yeah. dentists and undertakers? Yeah, definitely strange. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, of course, it's, it's like, it's like, it's like well, why is Stephen King asking about that? It's like, of course, he almost said the M word. Black people want to go to black dentists, and do black people want to get buried by black undertakers? That's funny. Stephen King, he almost said nigga. I read between <laughs> I always thought Dennis was Dennis. I, I wasn't into black and white Dennis, please. They could fix the teeth, cool. They can't, that's cool too. That's kind of a weird question. And coming from Stephen King, that was very strange. 
and have a horror man come on and ask the question about a nigger. That was already scary. I wrote a, a, a script for Stephen King. I have a Stephen King horror movie. Nigger with a brain. We'll see how that scared people. The niggers in school. How about that, Stephen? Yeah, yeah. So I like that. I just found I, it funny. I, I love it, too. I um I think I told Zach when he told me he wanted to discuss this sketch that season one, episode seven was on my list of things to discuss, but I ended up cutting it. We're actually going to talk about another another sketch from this episode, but we didn't watch or we're not going to discuss the whole episode. I never picked up on this before, Zach, until I rewatched this sketch for this recording. And last night, I feel like I should have realized this so much earlier. I I think it, it might just be a Rob thing. Like Rob found a connection and is amazed by it. And that amazement will subside in a few days or hours. But I wanted to say this to Zach. Before Stephen King makes an appearance in this sketch, Paul Mooney says that he hates the Green Mile and everyone who wrote it. <laughs> Stephen King wrote the Green Mile. How have I never realized this before? That he, like Paul Mooney literally like because of a different question brings up the Green Mile and like fully chides it like he hates the Green Mile apparently and then Stephen King asks him a question this is this is a whole nother layer to this sketch that if I had realized this when I was picking episodes you better believed you yeah, better believe you. we would have included it have you ever noticed that before no, but to be fair though they filmed all the ask the ask a black dude segments at once it wasn't like that was filmed over three oh. separate. Sure, absolutely, but I I think it's it's a testament to the the cleverness and the creativeness of this show because I'm thinking any sketch comedy today they're gonna make that connection the highlight of the bit, and it really is subtle in this ask a black dude sketch, and that I think is what I'm more amazed by. But that's the question though: is that like again, was it intentional on their part, or was it just a happy coincidence? Sure. I, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, imagine if this if this was a more modern sketch show and this happened, regardless of whether or not it was a happy coincidence or they planned it. Once they realized it, they would have made that the thing to look for where this sketch doesn't. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I don't know for sure. And, and like I said, you know, Zach, Zach has known me for a lot longer than the audience has. But uh, and I, I am certainly the first to admit it. Rob likes to get really excited about things that are not that exciting. So he just has this kind of passion for a few hours or so. And we're kind of in that sweet spot for this sketch right now. <laughs> gotcha. But so, yeah, I, thought, I, I was blown away. I like how Stephen King is just so like awkward. And Paul Mooney just takes advantage of that and highlights yes. it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that was a good one. That was a good one. We get another probably what I can would consider a, a Hall of Fame type sketch. One of my favorites up there with the mad real world. The Playa Haters Ball. Oh. So so I've been waiting for so long because Zach on Cinemodities, the, the year plus that we've been doing it, I've always every time we have to talk about what we're gonna record next, I always ask myself, how can we talk about pimps, hoes, tricks, marks, mark ass tricks, and trick ass marks? How can we do this? And now today we finally can. Are you excited? <laughs> I remember, I don't know why, but like a couple of years ago, I was going through like files that like I had on my computer from college and I found a word document that actually had the entire like intro to the sketch. <laughs> I don't know why I, I, to this day, it's kind of like what Rob said with his notes. Like I, I actually took the time to write it all down. Yeah. I have no context as to why. Okay, you loved it so much, you needed to have it for future use, and here's that future use. 
So before we get into the meat of this sketch, I have to say that, you know, just like I did in Mr. Show, when we talked about the, the voices within sketch, you know, a, a, one of the reasons I really wanted to talk about that sketch, the, the subway people, if Zach, you know, hit her, that sketch for Zach and our audience, if you, you don't remember two weeks ago. Um, but like that sketch has always stood out to me because we have such a fantastic team of comedians and actors and performers giving that sketch or showing that sketch off. That's the same thing here. We have a sketch, not just in Chappelle's show, yes, in Chappelle's show, but in reality, in the history of the universe, where we have Dave Chappelle, Donnell Rawlings, Charlie Murphy, Ice-T, and Patrice O'Neill, all in one sketch talking shit to each other. Even if you don't think this sketch is funny, this deserves a place in the pantheon for getting these five people together. I respect it just for that. Yes, it is funny, and we're going to talk about why, even though I think, you know, what more can we say about the sketch that hasn't already been said about Afghanistan? Um, but I, I have to comment that we get such a great team in this sketch, and they do it perfectly in the play of Haters Ball. Right? Do you agree with me, Zach? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. it's it's almost oh, it's immaculate. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, like, it's also funny. It's such like a unique concept. It's like okay, it has this very loose like framework of like an HBO in the early two thousands mm-hmm. when HBO would do those like documentaries on these like weird like really. Uh, I don't want to say like oh god, what would be the correct word for it? Like these, like, these t- some of the some of the, like the subcultures of like things that sure. were considered more taboo, you know, because HBO did like the real sex stuff, and it was yeah. like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna look at you know uh, prostitutes in some Las Vegas ranch or something like that. And, yeah. Oh yeah, and, the oh, Bunny Ranch. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they do those episodes where it's like people tune in to watch it, and they're like, I'm gonna see a bunch of nudity and sex, and then it's like 30 minutes about how. They have to like the, these sex workers in Las Vegas have to undergo like very regular and intensive STD checks, and they're like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. He's getting at that motif. Yeah. Uh, so, like, you look at that. I had no context for that at the time. Like, I knew what HBO was. I know we. My my, my father always yell at me. We couldn't afford it, and so I'm watching <laughs> this. And I have to say, this is not. This is one of those sketches that like, at the time I didn't think it was too funny. Okay. But. In as time went on, years and years, I would rewatch this. I found it like it's such an amusing sketch because it's so it's just bursting at the scenes of creativity. Yeah, this sketch. I think this sketch is it ages like to be cliche a fine wine. Like this, this sketch will always stand up to the test of time. I feel because I don't because the weird thing about it is like any sort of like comedy bit is based in something. Mm-hmm. Like and you know this is clearly a parody of those HBO specials. This feels like it like nothing else. Definitely, definitely. Because like you do, you get introduced to all the player haters, and you get like introduced. And they all have names. They all have like backstories. Like first, we're introduced to Ice T, who at that point, like people knew who he was, but he's not as like ubiquitous and well known as he is now. Because like like suburban white moms know him now from Law and Order Savo. Exactly. But like in two thousand three, he was not that household name. Mm-hmm, definitely. So you have that, but again, you're introduced to the player haters. You get like Ice T's narration. You have like Pitbull, who's who's listed as like most likely to game weight and die. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I want you have Buck Nasty, who is the nastiest hater of hater eh, hater of 2000. Mm-hmm. We have beautiful ugliest hater 1999 with his Jerry curdles and like sequin like like shoes and the constant hairspray. <laughs> The constant hairspray. <laughs> yeah. We have Star, who I'm not sure. I'm guessing he's probably somebody in real life who's listed as a celebrity hater. 
I think, yeah, I think he is. I didn't look into it, but I've always gotten that sense that that's like their cameo or something. Yeah, he's like, he's like again, more than that. We have Mr. Roboto, who's the least understood hater, <laughs> who has <laughs> who has subtitles for everything he says. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like I said, no, there's so much going on in the sketch, and I don't want to sit there, uh, go through it all. But yeah, it's a, like, there's so many layers to it. And really, for the most part, it's a, it's a nonsensical, absurd sketch. Yeah. Yeah, it, it sets you up with a premise that you never saw coming, and you just have to roll with it. And it's fantastic. If you're accepting of that, the universe they've created, it's it's great. <laughs> I know I know that Zach and I have um, favorite lines from this. The audience might think it's the Afghanistan line, because in this, you know, uh, he says to, or Dave Chappelle says to um, Charlie Murphy, who is Buck Nasty, he says, Buck Nasty! What can I say about that suit that hasn't already been said about Afghanistan? And that's great, but that's not my favorite line. The one that really gets me, it's not the same one Zach has, so I'll leave that one to him, which I also find funny. But the one that always gets me is when um, Dave Chappelle wins the, the player haters ball. Or he's like the biggest hater or something. And at the end of his acceptance speech, he goes, if you'll excuse me, I need to go home and put some water in Buck Nasty's mama's dish. I love that insult. Like, that insult, I need to use more often, I think. <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go home and put some water in Buck Nasty's mama's dish. Good evening. Yeah, that's a great line. That's, that's, that's yeah. a fun one, too, that you really don't notice say until you really, when you're, like, you rewatch it for, like, a, like a second, third, or fourth mm-hmm, time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Zach, I, I, at least I, I've set it up thinking that I know what your favorite line is, and I'm fairly confident, but... Do you want to go ahead and, and talk about Rosie O'Donnell? <laughs> is <laughs> well, that the, it? Is that it? <laughs> to give it like some context, like all the haters are like lined up. And it's not explained, but like they're like they have it like on poster board, like all these different like celebrities or no like notable people, and they have like P. Diddy and mm-hmm. they make fun of like his like giant like white tooth grin. Yeah. Then they have like Osama bin Laden and Charlie Murphy's like, that guy pumped my gas on the way over here. Yep, and, yep. and they do that. And it's like, and it goes around. They're all just kind of like making comments. There's one of like the Osborne family with Ozzy, Sharon, the two kids. And it's like the daughter sings a song called Papa Don't Preach. Well, I got one bitch. Daughter don't sing. Yeah, yeah and, that's right. And, and then they have a picture. I think they must have changed it. Because if you look at the picture of Rosie O'Donnell, it's superimposed in the frame. Yeah, it definitely you you can see that digital look to it where you couldn't in say the Osama picture or something like that. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. And so you so it makes me wonder like was that like did they have something even worse or like like a worse image? Or because like, like who knows? Like at that point, Rosie O'Donnell like she was obnoxious, but she wasn't like like we're the point where everybody dislikes her now, like even her own daughter. Okay. And so I wonder like what image they use they figure it was like too far, or if it maybe it wasn't her nice ADR the line like after the fact. Ah, gotcha. But the thing that sells, and I always have like a soft spot for this. I love when talent says a line and the talent like reacts to the line. Sure. Like 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 nobody can hide their laughter. Like I know like Jimmy Fallon was horrible with this, like during his like years on SNL. Like there's the Will Farrell more cowbell. And he's just like he cannot contain himself. And he gets like obnoxious. Like it's funny when like it's a great moment and like the actors can't keep their composure. But when the actor cannot keep their like composure from the get-go, it's yeah. so it's, it's a lack of, Yeah. Yeah. It's a lack it's a lack of uh professionalism yeah but the didn't, best- didn't that become jimmy fallon's like whole shtick is that he can't control his laughter like wasn't that yeah. why yeah god that's some nonsense 
But the best thing is that, like, you're going through the images, they get to the picture of Rosie O'Donnell, and it's like Rosie O'Donnell on a red carpet, but for some reason, she has, like, her left handbag, like, bandaged. And Dave Chappelle is Silky Johnson, turns around and goes, She wears underwear with dick holes in them. And like, and like the whole crowd like dies laughing, and everybody in the entire shot starts like dying laughing. Like you can see Charlie Murphy literally turns around, walks away. Yeah, Donald I think that, that's my favorite part. Charlie Murphy straight up like you see the smile come on his face, and he instantly turns and walks off screen. <laughs> and like the guy who's playing Pitbull starts laughing. Donnell Rawlings like slinks down to like his knees. Yeah, it's just yeah. like oh my god. <laughs> yes, Pitbull is um Patrice. O'Neill. Okay. That I mentioned earlier, yes. Who's also dead, unfortunately. <laughs> I guess I didn't say about the character Pitbull. Was it like, I, I get me being the honky that I was when I watched all this, when the, uh, I guess, Cuban rapper Pitbull like rose to prominence like in <laughs> oh, 2009. Yeah, right. For the longest time, I'm like, my heart, because like, oh God, when he first like came on the scene like in a major way, he had that like, they call me dun dun. Or no, like, oh God, what's the song? It's like it's it's the most of not. We'll just play. We're not even gonna play the song. We're gonna play the beat here. One, two, three, four. Uno, do, I know you want me. You know I want you. I know you want me. You know I want you. And it's like I know you want me. I know I want you. And it's like, oh, this is by Pitbull. I'm like, oh, the guy from the Chappelle Show sketch, the player <laughs> hater. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's why right. for the longest time I thought that's who it was. I'm like, oh, of course, Dave Chappelle had music people on the show. Why wouldn't it be him? Yep, exactly. And exactly. I guess what we should say is that the character of Pitbull in this sketch is less of a caricature of a real human being than the cuban rapper pitbull is <laughs> yeah that's a good way to put it absolutely <laughs> yeah, oh, Pit, pitbull the 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 musician is playing more of a character than patrice o'neill is in this <laughs> sketch yes that's what yes. we're saying <laughs> i also like to like when like uh ice t's like introducing the player haters ball like I, after that joke and like Pitbull like inter like interrupts him, and it's like next person that interrupts me is gonna get shot. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, uh, good, great. Oh, yeah. Player haters ball. That's in the yeah. in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. I wonder if people cosplay as the player haters. Oh, that's that's a good question. That's it. That'd be interesting to see if anybody would recognize you as a player hater. <laughs> be Silky Johnson, Buck Nasty. Yeah, I feel like if you dressed up as them, they think you're like cosplaying. I don't know someone from like, I don't know one of those mo recent mobster movies, like with Jennifer Lawrence. Like, what was that American Hustle or something? Uh, where they're all okay. they're all in their pinstripe suits and being mobsters. They'd be like, "Oh, you're you're Johnny Depp as as um uh, John Dillinger," and it's like, get the <laughs> hell out of here. No, why would I dress up as that? I'm Silky Johnson. <laughs> buck, buck nasty. Buck nasty. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, right on. The next sketch we have is History's Greatest Wars. So, I guess the best way to talk about this sketch is... <laughs> right? General Cornrow Wallace. Y'all motherfuckers need to cook up cocaine with baking soda Bucking. and sell Bucking. it. B Bucking soda and sell it. P.S. <laughs> No, all, all the best, Cornrow. All, all the best. P.S. 
Oh, I love hey. this sketch I for, for many reasons, but I have to point out, because we haven't gotten into too much with this, uh, I think at least in the episodes or sketches we're discussing on this, this is the first time in Chappelle's shows we Chappelle's show we get to see most deaf. Most deaf is the person who plays General Cornrow Wallace. I I think I've only hinted at it briefly. Most deaf, or his real name, Yasin Bey. I I have this crazy infatuation with most deaf. I love everything he's ever done, be it from his musical career to his Chappelle show work to his his lead role in Be Kind Rewind next to Jack Black. I love Most Deaf. So that's one of the main reasons I wanted to talk about this episode is that it has Most Deaf in it. But Zach, I know you like this as well. So what did you want to highlight from it? Other than the... Well, that, that that's the highlight of all this. But like, no, sure. this is another sketch that has so many layers to it. I, I kind of find it odd that like a 12-year-old would find this so fascinating. I guess it has to, again... It's the evolution of something from the Amanda show, just kind of like the irreverence mm-hmm, at the mm-hmm. time, but now it makes a lot more sense. No, the idea, it's like, oh God, I, I don't want to repeat a lot of this, because I feel like I'm getting it wrong and I'm not doing it justice, but it's like, hey dog, hey, yelled Earl the Snake White Johnson. Oh, he yeah. He stepped on yeah. my sneaker. Yeah, that that whole, that the very first line is always great, because we have the commentator who, who like, very deadpan over the, the footage, the reenacting footage, or whatever you want to consider it as. He's like, a dog, a. He screamed as his sneakers were skept- stepped on, and he goes into like more of the general, more of the actual report. A dog, a. Earl the Snake White called out after a rival member of the 19th Street Gangsters, General Cornrow Wallace, made minor contact with his shoes. Hey, hey, dog, hey. Step on my sneaker, man. And then when it switches to the footage, Dave Chappelle's like, "Hey, dog, hey." You stepped on my sneakers. And I feel like you don't really understand what was said by the commentator until you hear Dave Chappelle say it. It's this weird, beautiful, almost like something hits you in the face that you don't understand. And you're like, you might not laugh at it or you might laugh at it. And then you kind of get the payoff to it a few seconds later. It's it's yeah. so strange to me, but it's 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 ingenious. It's like a delivery of comedy and an idea that isn't utilized as much as it should be. It, it's kind of like, I guess, maybe to, you know, you always hear those people who say, you know, you got to watch The Sixth Sense twice. You watch it the first time, and then you watch it again to realize what you didn't understand the first time. I feel like a lot of that same theory applies to Chappelle's show, where you don't really understand the entire sketch until you know what a lot of the sketches are. And it's beautiful. It's a layer of complexity we should be seeing more of. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, definitely because like you look at some of some of the bits where it's like it's the small things like 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 uh like there's like a fight in like someone's backyard and it's like all was going fine until someone pulled out a gun and the police were called and arrived promptly four hours later. Yes, <laughs> and don't they even say it was like and then and then one of the River Terrace crew pulls out a gun previously unheard of in gang fights. And then he goes, then the police showed up promptly four hours later. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, General Cornrow Wallace is in prison. He learns how to make crack from Tyrone Biggums. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And then, like, as soon as, because there's, like, what, like, uh, escalation. Because they they start making a ton of money. Mm -hmm. And then Earl the Snake White Johnson's 
gang starts making money and yep. then it's like there's a battle or it's, it's like oh god how's the exact phrasing go that it got, or, uh the battle of the cool modi concert which took place at <laughs> a, a cool, cool modi, modi concert, concert. yeah 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 for, and for so you know, and this is something i think that we've already um brought up specifically on mr show i think for me this is certainly one of my favorite hallmarks of, of not just sketch comedy but comedy when they do that you know they'll say oh this was called x Back in the day, it was called the same thing. And that, of course, came up on Mr. Show where, you know, we had Tom Kenny go, oh, they were a gang of, of um, megaphone crooners, which back in our day we called megaphone crooners. I love that concept, like as we have here, that the Battle of the Cool Modi concert, which took place at a Cool Modi concert. I love that that type of, like, linguistic humor where nothing changes for some reason i love that and this sketch does it perfectly oh yes but yeah that's yeah there, there's a lot to this. this this is another one of those great sketches that gets overlooked by like rick james and prince yeah i and do want to mention i do want to mention that of course you know once um cornrow wallace dies in this sketch they have the where the other gang digs up his body and they're like messing with the corpse i I, I have to comment on the fact that, of course, Cornrow Wallace, as I mentioned, is played by Most Def. So Most Def has to play a corpse in this episode. He has to play like a rigid body sitting on a couch. Years later, Most Def has an appearance on House. And what does he do in House? He plays a patient who has locked in syndrome, who literally cannot move, but he can still know what's going on around him. So I, I just, that connection came into my mind where Dave Chappelle has most deaf play a corpse. And then years later, the people on the house team say, okay, most deaf, how are we going to utilize you? Lay here and don't move at all. And you have barely any lines. So I guess maybe people think most deaf is a great corpse, but who knows? <laughs> yeah. Who knows indeed? Who knows? Yep. Yep. That's a good episode of house with most deaf, probably because it has most definite. <laughs> Oh, there's no there's no bird call, though, I have to say, in the house episode. He doesn't like wake up from his locked in syndrome and go. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a tragedy. Yeah. Can you repeat the question? <laughs> so the last if you don't have anything else to say about history's greatest wars, Zach, the last sketch we get in this episode is another reoccurring sketch from Dave Chappelle where he gives the real version of movies. And I know in some other episodes he does things like The Matrix and Pretty Woman, um, but the one we have here is Deep Impact. And I love the fact that his, his version of Deep Impact doesn't really focus on a lot of the movie. It just focuses on the fact that if an asteroid was heading to Earth and the president was black, he would get blamed for it. I love that concept, but really the thing that I want to highlight in this sketch, I don't know if Zach picked up on it, is... Of course, the, the sketch plays out as Dave Chappelle is the black president telling the, the newsroom or the, the journalist panel or whatever it's called, the press conference. He's telling them all about these mind-blowing things like Lee Harvey Oswald killed JFK alone and by himself with a magic bullet. You know, that stuff. The R. Kelly sex tape wasn't R. Kelly. It was me. And he goes on, though, to talk about knowledge of aliens, and he introduces an alien to the stage to talk about what he calls him, like, bleep bloop or something. Like, he gives him a very generic name, and he says, this, is, this alien is the reason we've had such a wave of technology. Zach, did you pick up on 
we have actually seen this alien already in our sketch comedy series. Did you pick up on this? Uh, Idiot Box? No, 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 no. Amanda Show, The Elevator. Yes. Not actually, so not The Elevator. It is The Amanda Show. When Amanda hosts the audience awards at the end of one of her episodes, she, she gives an award to the person who traveled the furthest to be there. And it's not the whole outfit, but the mask. The mask that the alien is wearing in the Amanda show and the mask that the alien is wearing in this sketch of Chappelle's show, it's the same mask. And yes, I looked, I actually went back and opened an Amanda show file to double check this. So I don't know if this mask is a common prop. I don't know if this was just coincidence. I don't know the inner dealings, but, but I think that we have a connection between the Amanda show and Chappelle's show now. Not that that's a good thing. But I had to say that we have the connection. <laughs> well, it's probably not too surprising considering they were both Viacom shows. Nickelodeon's part of <gasps> Viacom, oh, and so no. is Comedy Central. So this because was just in their prop, their prop room probably. or something. Yeah, oh. wouldn't be surprised. Right on, right on, right on. The only okay. thing I say about those is Chappelle's show was filmed in New York for the most part, mm-hmm. and Amanda's show was, uh, was I think, Cali- California, was, right? Yeah. Yeah, Sunset okay. Boulevard, California. So I don't know. I don't know. Probably, I would imagine, probably a lot of the same props, probably just duplicates when they order them. Okay, okay. I just, I, I mean, like, once again, you know, I never would have made that connection unless we did these two sketch comedy shows this close together. <laughs> and I think we jump right into next thing we have. We're breaking into season two. And it's another episode that Rob chose solely because of the, the last sketch on here. Or primarily, I should say. But it starts with some great ones, like the Samuel Jackson beer. One, I love this because it's a parody of Samuel Jackson. We get to hear the line, Samuel Jackson, it's my motherfucking beer. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. (laughs) I also have to comment that we get to see Bill Burr in this sketch. Bill Burr, of course, has a few roles in this as it comes in, but this, I think, is the first time we get to see him in this discussion. And I love Bill Burr. I think he's a funny dude. So it's great to see him uh, younger. Um, And once again, fake commercial. Samuel Jackson, it's my beer. Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. How's it taste, motherfucker? (laughs) Anything you you want to say about Samuel Jackson beer? I used to have the entire, I, once again, this was back like in high school. I had the entire thing typed out. I had it printed out hanging in my room. <laughs> okay. How's it, it's Samuel Jackson. It's my beer. Yes, I just they like to imagine. To die, I, I like they yeah. burn in hell. That's just per- the delivery on that line is perfect. But I like to think that, you know, when some, uh, you know, this might be stereotypical, but I'm thinking of, you know, like, college-aged girls, I've been in a lot of, like, their dorm rooms and stuff. They always like to put up, like, motivational quotes on the wall. I like to think Zach's apartment or room or whatever doesn't have motivational posters. It just has the full dialogue and lines from Chappelle's show sketches. (laughs) So someone will walk up to, like, you know, but don't get me wrong. It's still the picture of, like, the kitten holding onto the branch. And people are like, oh, it's going to say hang in there, right? And they walk up to it and it goes, yes, they deserve to die. And I hope they burn in hell. And then the people try and figure out what, how close the exit is so they can escape from Zach. <laughs> it has other things too, like, uh, can you quit yelling at me, please? No, because that, that's how I talk. Haven't you ever seen my movies? <laughs> yeah. Juice, yeah. 
That was a good one. Deep Blue Sea, they ate me. An effing shark ate me. Drink, bitch. <laughs> Jurassic oh, yeah. Park. Yep, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good one. It's a good fake commercial. Absolutely, it might oh, be one of my, one of my favorite fake commercials. Fake commercial. Yeah, because it hits you so fast. Definitely, definitely. All right, so. The next thing that we have to discuss is in season two is another one of the full episodes that Rob picked, even though it's really kind of only two sketches. One of them might not even be considered a sketch. Season two, episode four, Charlie Murphy's true Hollywood stories about Rick James. The only other sketch we get in this episode is the love contract where Dave Chappelle like has the woman sign the contract to say that she has had, you know, is having sexual or consensual sexual relationships. Um, once again, I never would have noticed, but the woman in this sketch is Rashida Jones, who, of course, has become more popular these days because of her main role on Zach's favorite television program of all time, Parks and Recreation. <laughs> so, true Hollywood stories. Rick James. I think everybody knows I'm Rick James, bitch. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Fuck your couch. Right? I think this is the most culturally pervasive thing of Chappelle's show. I think we might have even said that earlier. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely on Rick James, bitch. That's 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 the hallmark of Chappelle's show. If Dave Chappelle's ever remembered for one bit, it's gonna be that one. Yes, yes. So I think the I'm I've mentioned it before where, you know, when we have things that I think get away from sketch comedy, you know, we talked about Moody's point where I think that was, you know, they were leaving sketch comedy when they started to include that. This, of course, the Rick James story, it is not a a big story, like where we get, oh, we have to wait till the next episode to hear how it turns out. It's more of, I don't know, just a, a giant tale. It's not really sketch comedy. It is in the sense that they reenact some things with uh, Dave Chappelle playing Rick James, but it's more of just, just a story that Charlie Murphy has. And I have nothing against it. I love it. Charlie Murphy tells a great story, and, and they accentuate it with the with the comedy and the and the and the reenactments very well but it's it's different you know what i'm saying i don't think i have a really good fundamental understanding of how i really think about this in terms of sketch comedy yet so i'm kind of on the fence with how i feel about it in terms of being involved in the show like this i love the love the story overall i can't deny that you know um and i guess i i should say i would i would imagine correct me if i'm wrong or if you think otherwise zach the relationship between Charlie Murphy and Rick James is pretty much identical to our relationship, right? <laughs> the only question is, who's Charlie Murphy and who's Rick James? <laughs> whose couch got ruined? <laughs> yes, whose couch got ruined? Oh, so apparently, I guess the best way to summarize this sketch, apparently Rick James was an asshole, right? <laughs> like yeah, just a it. bad person? Yeah. With that being said, like moving on to the love contract, that's the entire <laughs> cocaine. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yeah, I do like the bits where they do the reenactment where you know Charlie Murphy will step up to Rick James or Dave Chappelle as Rick James, and and Rick James will like have this moment of of realization, or he'll like I don't know if it's true or authentic or not, where he'll like pretend to be sad and like want to make up with Charlie Murphy. And there's that one part in the hotel room. Where, you know, he, uh, Charlie Murphy's like, if security comes any closer, I'm going to throw Rick James out of a window. And then Rick James is like, hey, bitches, come over here. Have sex with Charlie Murphy. 
<laughs> well, the whole thing like, with that yeah. is that, like, you, you have, like, this weird sort of, like, unfolding. And I noticed this both in the Prince sketch and the Rick James sketch, where, like, they shoot it, like, on, like, a black, like, the entire set is, like, a black background with these very kind of, like, crude, like, backdroppings they've constructed. Oh, yeah, it, very, very much reminiscent of what I thought a lot of our high school play adaption sets would look like, like just a vanity mirror in the background. <laughs> well, yeah, but like even this, though, it's like it's clearly it's an artistic choice. It's being done on the cheap. Like they're trying to have their cake and eat it, too. But like you have these black backgrounds, and you have like like a minimal amount of like furniture is like set decoration. But they also have like this like weird like overhead lighting. And they're like they're adding like I know it's more in the Prince one than this, but they're adding like smoke into the background a little bit to yeah. make it like almost like it's almost like a, like a surreal fairy tale nature to all this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And like you said, like we have the part where like chart like the first like because it's like basically what four different moments of Charlie murphy and rick james interacting yep. there's the initial incident at the nightclub with unity as he punches him in the forehead yeah then we have charlie murphy going to rick james's like hotel room it's like rick james is on what like the dresser and he's mm-hmm. like and then i told him i'm rick james bitch and we have charlie murphy <laughs> darkness <come. laughs> and charlie murphy kicks him into the mirror and <laughs> dave Chappelle makes one of the greatest yells of all time He'll tell it like he gave me some kind of Bruce Lee cross kick or something. I kicked the shit out of him. Man. And it gets even further accentuated later in the sketch when it's played in slow motion and it's. Like, Another, I, I actually, I'm glad you bring that up. A good example of slow motion that I'm not against. Yeah, like I love that, and like Rob said, like like at the end of that, like they make up, and like the security, like he goes security, and the security comes in. Charlie was like, "You take one more step, I'm gonna knock this mother effer out the window. I'm gonna kick this mother effer out the window." <laughs> yep. And like they make up, and it's like it's like you want to smoke with Rick James. He's, <laughs> but he's like he's like my forehead's bumping, man. He's like now that you mention it, I think I'm bleeding inside my chest. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like he's like you said he's like you want to have a good smoke with your old friend rick james and it's like yeah man my head's bumping and it's like it's like he's like bitch come over here and have sex with charlotte murphy and like and then that's like what they go to the commercial and we have one of the probably the, the most identifiable moment of all Chappelle's show is the rick james with the orange aura with the give it to me babe as he's like like, like pulling his fingers into the camera yep. give it to mm-hmm. me babe and you have that, and then like the second, like the, I guess technically the the third, the second act, third bit is F your couch. Mm-hmm. It's like he walks in, he's like he was walking in, Drake, like, like Eddie just bought this new like suede couch, son. And it's like, and Rick comes in with like his boots were all like caked with mud, and it's like so so like, and then we go back to like Rick James being interviewed in real time. It's like so 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 why did you do this? Because Eddie could buy another one. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, and that that's the moment where I was like, okay, they might have been trying to make Rick James out to be an asshole, but now I know Rick James is an asshole. <laughs> and then, like, we have the entire thing with, like, F yo couch, F yo couch. Mm-hmm. And then, like, they beat him up, and it's like, they, like it's like we were beating, and Charlie was like, we beat him up, man, making cuts. It's like his legs were like linguine. And we cut back to, like, <laughs> Dave Chappelle, Rick James. It's like, you were, it's like, it's like darkness, motherfucker. 
black magic. And yeah. Charlie, <laughs> Charlie Murphy has to explain the reason why he, like, like Rick James called him like like black magic in darkness was because of how like dark his like complexion was. I love and, that he Charlie Murphy d- describes that or further emphasizes that by saying like back then we were the darkest things in existence <laughs> to Rick James, and I'm like, oh god. That is too funny of a phrase to say. <laughs> before Wesley Snipes. Yeah, yeah. This he goes. This was before Wesley Snipes. <laughs> yeah, and so we have that in Dave Chappelle's Dave Chappelle. Rick James is like, "You were cold as ice," and, and Charlie was like, "But he still kept going." F your couch. And I love like he's dragging himself like on the floor, and he's like, "They should have never gave you people money." Yeah, I I think of this as. Maybe not the full inspiration, but at least a quarter of the inspiration for Leonardo DiCaprio in his Quaalude scene of The Wolf of Wall Street. Like, I I bet you Leo looked at some Dave Chappelle as Rick James crawling around on the floor with his legs like noodles to get that right. (laughs) Fun fact, folks. Rob has never seen The Wolf of Wall Street. No, this came up like a... Four months ago, I did see that one, finally. <laughs> that that was a lie, folks. He's <laughs> never seen The Wolf of Wall Street. We talked a lot about the trailer in the summer of 2013. And to this day, <laughs> six years later, he still hasn't seen the film. It's sure. embarrassing, really. He <laughs> sure, needs help. Sure. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. You gotta pump those numbers up. <laughs> so we have that, and we have... Again, we, we have that. And he, oh God, he's like dragging himself on the floor... And he's like, you can buy another couch, Eddie Murphy. It's like, what am I going to do about my legs? Yeah, yeah. And then what's the, the last one is the, the bar one where Rick James is behind the bar, right? Yes, with the five fingers say the face. Yes, yep, yep. Yeah, Slap. I think my, fa- my favorite part about that bit is where, you know, he, he hits, Rick James slaps Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy's doing like the whole, what should I do about this? And he goes back and he he hits he like slaps and knocks his head into the bar of Rick James's head, and I love the fact that they play it where Rick James is like, "Why'd you do that? Cause you hit me. That was like a week ago." <laughs> <laughs> like that is that is yes that is a if that truly happened in the way that they they played it out then yes Rick James was definitely in a bad place with drugs and needed some help. But that's some funny shit, man. <laughs> and, you know, I think that's the bit. It was we're just we're, this whole sketch, if we can even call it that. The whole story is making fun of Rick James for being an asshole and, and a drug addict. That's funny. That's offensive, but it's well, funny. <laughs> I, I, I like how, like, I think very early on in the sketch, like, Charlie Murphy's like, oh, like, I was really, like, before, like, all this happened, he's like, I was really, like, digging what Rick James was doing. He was mad N-word-ish. Oh yeah, because when he like in that first bit with him, he's on, he's like talk. Rick James or Dave Chappelle is Rick James on like a couch with a bunch of women, and he's like, "I'm the best. I make the best music. I, I lick pussy or whatever he says." You know, I'm the, ba- I'm, the ba- I'm the best motherfucker of all time. Yeah, Rick James, yeah. bitch, enjoy yourself. <laughs> <laughs> started kicking it and he was mad niggerish man which was you know right up my alley i'm one of the baddest motherfuckers of all time one of the best singers one of the best looking motherfuckers you've ever seen hold my drink bitch and then like because then we have like i said going back to the the final like third act of this where like before charlie murphy shows up in, in the slap it's like bitches let me see your titties and it's like, like they pull their tops off and he goes mm, mm, mm. i wish i had four hands so I can give them titties four thumbs down. Yeah. 
I love I love that. It's like it's a weird thing that has nothing to do with the Charlie like Murphy feud. It's yeah. it's completely to the side of that. And then once like they make up again, it's like bitches come over here. And it's like she because show your titties to Charlie Murphy. And Charlie <laughs> Murphy's like starts smiling. And we hear we hear Dave Chappelle, Rick James in the background. Once they pull their shirts up and go, the milk is gone bad. Yes. <laughs> And it's such a weird thing that's like it's almost like a non sequitur. Like mm-hmm. it's like it's like it's out of nowhere. It has nothing to do with the plot, the sketch, if you can call this a plot. Exactly. And, yeah. It's it's really it's it's something else. There's a reason why this sketch is like above the others. It it firmly deserves its place. And sadly, or maybe not sadly, depending on how the Rick James, like the real Rick James lived this life, is like this sketch was like filmed and aired. Then, like a month later, Rick James died. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was newsworthy. That's why I, I remember hearing about that. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's like it's kind of sad that we like this is his legacy. I'm um, Rick, J- like a parody, like like a, like a hyper realized parody of what probably was like a cocaine infused like tirade over the yep. course of like a week of his life is now his identity going forward. Like you think of Rick James, people do not think of super freak or give it to me, babe. That's they think exactly of um, Rick James, yeah. bitch. Yeah, like that's, that's where you feel. That's why I kind of feel bad for him. It's like, okay, like R Kelly, he's like, has done some pretty messed up things or allegedly done some pretty messed up things. Mm-hmm. But like, he has time to like walk away from that legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Rick James does not will never. There's never going to be anybody who has the ability, nor will probably ever want to want to reform his image to the public. Yeah, you're. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're so right. <laughs> Season two, episode ten, one of Rob's episode choices. This was chosen by Rob because it contains two of his favorite sketches from Chappelle's show. Of course, one of them is Knee High Park, um, which we're going to have to talk about. I know Zach wanted to discuss that as well. But I don't know if Zach knows this. The making the band sketch is one of my favorites as well. I think it's because of the context is I remember back in the day, I actually watched an episode of making the band. And it was the episode where the challenge for the contestants was to go into uptown Manhattan and get a chicken Parmesan sandwich. (laughs) That actually happened on this show. That P. Diddy or Puff Daddy or whatever fuck he's called, Sean Combs or whoever the hell it was I'm making the band, he had his contestants go get him food. That really happened. <laughs> and of course, they play this, they play that to the max in this sketch where he's like, Y'all gotta walk to Queens and get me a sugar cookie. And then later on, Y'all gotta walk uptown to the Bronx and get breast milk from a Cambodian immigrant. <laughs> And then, oh, and then, of course, everything in this sketch has me dying. The two things primarily, other than what I just mentioned, the context, I love that he at once he actually gets, like, the milk bottles from the Cambodian immigrant, like, it's in real glass milk bottles, he chugs the bottle, and then he starts clinking empty breast milk bottles together, and he says, breast milk, you make my day! This is 100% a Warriors reference, right? Yeah, I think so. Warriors come out to play as he's clinking the bottles. Like, that is that is fantastic to me to have that out-of-left-field reference in this sketch. But the other thing I have to mention is that we get a parody of probably from making the band, the actual show, the most, like, 
to use today's terms, the most memeable contestant on that show, Dylon. Dylon was a character, not a character, a contestant on Making the Band who I swear they only let him on because he's good TV. His <laughs> ego was through the roof. And Dave Chappelle makes fun of that because when they have a confessional with Dylon, he goes, who are the five best rappers of all time? Think about it. Dylon, 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 and Dylon. Because I spit hot fire. And that's his <laughs> confessional. And so I, ever since I, I saw this episode of Chappelle's show years ago, I have loved that bit of him saying Dylon, 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 and Dylon. Just last year, Zach, we had a new album from, I, I'm assuming, one of your favorite artists, Pusha T. Are you familiar with Pusha T? Oh, I'm caught up on all their work. Okay, good. Well, it's one person, but okay. Uh, so Pusha T, he was part of Kanye West's five, album and fi five albums in five weeks last year, in which uh, Kanye West released one album per week. It wasn't always by him. He was just producer on some, but one of them was Pusha T's Daytona. That's the name of the album. And I listened to this album, of course, as I listen to a lot of new things. Uh, I'm not the biggest Pusha T fan, but when I listened to this album, I got to the track called What Would Meek Do? And we're going to put the clip in here so everybody can hear it. But the first line of this song. Niggas talking shit, push. How do you respond? I'm top five and all of them die line. So I, I honestly believe this is a direct reference to the Chappelle Show sketch where Dylon says the top five rappers are Dylon, 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 and Dylon. What do you think, Zach? Connections? Conspiracies? Is the, is the X-Files music playing? We're three hours into this, folks, and he's said Dylon now 15 times. Dylon. That's gonna, we're going to do that in reverse. 16. For 16. The <laughs> no, so, so I guess I have to ask Zach, um, because I think this is one we haven't really talked about. What are your thoughts on the Making the Band sketch? Uh, I wasn't really, I, was, I never watched Making the Band, so it okay, didn't okay. really mean much to me. I always like the, uh, like, like we hear about Die Line, and then he, get, he finally gets into the studio, and it's just, and like, why Clef Jean comes in, it's like, are you going to take this seriously? No, he comes in. He's like, you want some of this hot fire, son? It's like, or something like that. And it's like, are you going to take this seriously? And he starts, and he like immediately like chokes. I'm like, you're too close, man. You're yeah. too close. Yeah, I love that. He's like, you're too close and just starts choking him. <laughs> Wall Wyclef is wearing a Spider-Man, like, like hoodie yeah. or onesie. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's like, why is he wearing a Spider-Man hoodie? But like, it, it's like, I'm shutting this. And I love how like, uh, P. Diddy's like, I'm shutting the studio down again. Everyone's just like ignoring him. It's like, what are you going to do there? You going to sit there? Uh, you going to do your nails? You, you, you using up all your anytime minutes? minutes? You going to chop some onions? You doing your taxes over there? <laughs> the only thing that's interesting, though, is that at one point in the sketch, like Dave Chappelle's Dylon, there's another person that shows up in like one of the like confessional interviews, and their name is also Dylon. Oh, yes. That's right. Yeah. Oh, so many Dylons. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, like but I, I never understood what's the thing the little guy like comes down from like the ceiling on like the mary poppins umbrella 
Oh, that that I have no clue. That as far as I know, that didn't happen in making the band. I have no idea what's going on. There. He brings him a sandwich. He brings him a sandwich. Which yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I don't I don't get that. I think that's just part of the absurdity that you know that little bit of absurdity that bleeds in, or the extreme absurdism I should say that bleeds into Chappelle's show where a sketch ends on something almost nonsensical. Yeah, I, I don't really understand what that's if that's even supposed to be a reference to anything in particular. All right. But yeah, I really didn't have much of an opinion on this. It's never one of my favorites. Okay. It has its moments, but not one of my highlights. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, Dylon, 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 and Dylon. 21. <laughs> the, the next sketch that... You said it once, so we're up to 22. <laughs> uh, yeah, Nehigh Park. Yeah, Nehigh Park was like one of my favorites. Like, probably, sure. Yeah, one of my favorites growing up. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, yeah, bitch, I live in a motherfucking trash can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I love this. I love this whole aspect, the setup. You know, the lamp, uh, not lampooning, but like playing off of kids' shows. That's going to be a huge aspect of Wonder Shows when we get to that. Um, we got Snoop Dogg as the voice of the puppet with venereal disease. Dangle, Dangle, yes. Uh, who we get to see is a puppet penis in this sketch. I love the crabs song. Like we are Guess the crabs. The crabs, your pubes, we grab. Yeah, we lay yeah. on bed sheets and pinch your nuts. With our feet. The crabs. Oh, yes. The crabs. The crabs. Olay. I, I think my favorite part of this sketch, or at least my favorite part of re-watching this sketch for this recording, was focusing on the kids' faces. Like, when we have the trash can character, and, like, he's doing, he's like, I beat my dick like I owe me money. Just I just watched some of the kids' faces during all this, and there's there's some points where they're just like, I feel that you can see on their faces, what the hell am I doing here type of thing, you know? Stinky the Grum. Yeah, yeah. I What's love a that. venereal disease? <laughs> I, I, you know, I love, I guess, like, you have the first, I forget the first puppet's name is. It's voiced by Dave Chappelle. And it's like, oh, drug. It's, it's like, I found a dagger. Like, That's <laughs> not a dagger. That's a syringe. Yeah. People used to get high. What is getting high? So people use when they want to like get rid of their problems. But they, but they don't want to waste their time uh, snorting it or was it snorting it or smoking it? <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> oh, quicker. It gets to your bloodstream faster. He, he, oh, God. It's like your, your grandpappy talks about self-respect, but then he takes meds to keep his cock erect. Yeah. It's all oh, yeah. drugs to me. It's <laughs> all drugs to me. It's all... <laughs> Drugs to <laughs> me. <laughs> it really, it, it's such, I mean, we've been saying it before. It's such a good commentary. It's a funny idea, but it's actually getting at something that, you know, should be discussed. You know, it's not yeah. just, it's not like, you know, whenever I listen to podcasts that are not Cinemodities and not Knights of Vader, it always bothers me. When people will get to something that is more of a taboo subject, for example, drugs, and and you can just feel it's palatable their inexperience with drugs, not just their inexperience that they just didn't even do research. Like I've listened to podcasts before where people are like, oh, they're like talk about Molly and they'll be like, is Molly the street slang for ecstasy? I don't know. If you don't know that, you're a fucking idiot. And you live under a rock. guy. MDMA. MDMA, right? See, even Zach knows the official name of ecstasy. And so it's just like 
people need to talk about these things in a real way. Like, drugs are a thing in the world. We can't just taboo them. And that's the glory of Chappelle's show. He's taking things that people either don't want to talk about or are talking about in an ineffective manner and making them accessible. I think we said that earlier with race, and it just happens for so many topics. It's fantastic. That's a weird soapbox to be on when it comes to Nehigh Park, but yes. Uh, but, but I'm, I'm always on that soapbox. Uh, Whether or not you want to do drugs, you should educate yourself about them. Because not being educated, you're just going to fucking kill yourself one day when someone offers you bath salts and you think they're actually bath salts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm effing dying, man. <laughs> I had to ask him, like, when he, like, comes back up and does the May, is that because he's snorting something or because he's foaming at the mouth? I, I think it's I think it's because he's like he like passed out a little bit, so but he's foaming so Her- at the mouth. Oh, he no, he is foaming at the mouth. Absolutely, that's a common thing of overdoses. But uh, heroin and you know derivatives of of opium, they are uh, respiratory suppressants. So it, it, it there's the chance that your lungs will stop working and you will pass out for a little bit if you're on those things. Fun fact, kids, don't drink alcohol and do heroin together. You will die. They are both respiratory suppressants. So I've always taken it as, like, they're trying to throw a little joke into an OD type of thing. Where his his lungs stop and he starts to vomit, but he's not on his back so he doesn't choke. And then he gets back into the living world type of thing. That's what I figured. I remember Sal and I used to get into arguments because Sal said he was snorting coke. That was what Sal thought he was doing. No, he's not snorting anything. Okay. (laughs) I think I think if, if Dave Chappelle and the creators of this show and sketch wanted us to know he was snorting something, he would he would break in the song and we would hear we would hear that clearly if we were meant to know that he's snorting yes. something. And because we don't hear that, and because of the foaming at the mouth, I think that it has nothing to do with snorting. Do you remember that Sal is the person that like the beginning of sophomore year was like obsessed with pot? And someone had to explain to him that pot wasn't just simply rolling the leaf up and lighting it on fire. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Somebody actually had to. I was like, he was like, because remember there was like, oh, God. He was, there was this like, oh, God, paper bag bong man. It was like some guy's paper bag over his head lighting up a bong. And Sal was like obsessed with like pop, like pot culture. And it wasn't until like sophomore year someone actually had to explain to him and be like, because someone's like, oh, yeah, like to smoke some pot. And someone's like, Sal, you don't like, I wasn't there for this. I heard this like through the grapevine. And it was like, Sal, you don't just like, like roll, like literally roll a leaf, light it on fire and somehow like inhale, like the smoke, like there's a little bit more to it than that. And he had no idea about that. So I guess it it makes sense that the same person that did not understand that would think that the puppet is snorting cocaine. He has like powder on his nose. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. That's, That's a good point. I totally forgot about that until you brought it up. But you are, a, I, I definitely that, remember that. That now. was a thing, right? That was a thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, you know, even back then, I didn't know as much as I know about marijuana now. But you don't even smoke the leaves at all of the plant. You're not smoking the leaves ever to get high. You could smoke a leaf. You're just going to hurt your throat, though. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, See? Yeah. Be educated, folks. Be educated. Uh, but so yes, the rest of me, Hyde Park, we get introduced to uh, Dangle. Was mm-hmm. by Snoop D O double G. Yep, yep, it's great, it's great. We get our trash can dude. We get our crab. Oh yes, dead. yeah, Stinky the Grub. Oh yeah, Stinky the Grub is great. Yeah, beats his dick like it owes his money. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's but, a, it's a great sketch overall. But you'll get no pussy. 
Yep, yeah, yeah. The cat puppet. Oh yeah, it's fantastic. And then what's his name? Uh, Q-Tip, the music, the dude. He comes in, he sings some lines for us. Q-Tip. I think that's oh, what it's called. But we have all the venereal disease. I guess the, the most interesting part of this, and probably one of the most, I would say, for a comedy show, one of the most graphic things is seeing a puppet's penis, and there's some sort of like discharge coming out of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's got that shock factor. <laughs> and so, and I love that one of the kids like throws up. I love that. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, we see, we see this puppet pull his pants down. We see his nasty looking puppet penis, and then a kid vomits right next to him. Oh, it's glorious. <laughs> and we have all the different venereal diseases. We have the we have the clap. We have crabs. We have herpes. Herpes. I, I like that the clap when it comes on screen. It's like, hey, Dave Chappelle, haven't seen you in a while. <laughs> Dirty motherfucker. Yes. Yes. And it's like it's like oh it's like hello little it's like okay, hey everybody it's little old me herpes I'll be yeah, with you till yeah. the end <laughs> and, I, I, and then like he's a Q-tip shows up and it's like sex isn't wrong but you gotta do it right if you're hitting the sheet you gotta wrap it up tight yep. you'll catch a VD but don't take it from me oh it's great and then it's like Q-tip and then it's like Q-tip take us home it's the VD thing the VD yeah. thing. VD and that, thing. And then I love the sketch ends and they actually have like the puppets in like the balcony and Dave Chappelle's like, v- it's VD, son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a nice touch, definitely. Yeah. I, I like Nehigh. I've always like enjoyed Nehigh Park. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a great one. Absolutely. So that's it for season two, episode ten. We're getting closer to the end, Zach. Closer. <laughs> Tyrone Bigham's fear factor. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Where he's yeah. laying and he's like, I could lay in this pile of worms all day, Joe Rogan. <laughs> or whatever, who, or whoever hosts that show, whatever the fuck Yeah, Joe Rogan. Yeah, it was Joe, Joe Rogan? Rogan? Okay, right on. <laughs> it's so weird. It's like, I know Joe Rogan also shows up in the uh, New York boob sketch. Yeah, yeah. And it's so weird considering that like, Joe Rogan now is like this weird sort of like, oh, God, like tour de force in like podcasting. Can you pull that up, Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> exactly uh yeah like it's so weird because it's like even like i love how uh like like in, in the uh worm sketch he's like dumping like one of the other contestants you hear tyrone go oh you're crazy joe rogan yeah yeah <laughs> yes and like what's the other one too it's like, like he's about to do something tyrone he's like joe rogan you might not know this about me but I smoke rocks <laughs> yeah oh it's when they have to eat like the whale penis or something where like the isn't it when like the woman is like uh, really grossed out by it and like Joe Rogan goes and start and Tyrone Biggums is already like through one of them and he's like yeah. I don't know if you know about this Joe Rogan but I smoke rocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Yes, so so I'm glad we're bringing this up. I'm glad you mentioned that line in particular. The 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 quick like something gets said in a regular meter of voice like you know Tyrone Biggums I think talks quickly as a character but he'll say something like. Mm, I eat a bunch of penis and it'll be it'll be spaced out and timed like you would expect. But at the end of the sentence, he tacks on very quickly this statement. And the statement is, you know, I, I was like, I eat, well, I've eaten a lot of penis in my time, Joe Rogan. I don't know if you know about this about me, but I smoke rocks. And he says it really quickly. This is a huge hallmark of Key and Peel. And every time I hear it on Key and Peel, I'm like, they got this from Dave Chappelle, like adding a joke as a quick punchline type of thing. When we get to Key and Peele, we'll talk about it. The fantastic quote. Yeah, that's my nephew. He's a good kid. He smoked crack, though. 
<laughs> so Zach, I have. To, I'm glad you brought that up. This will be harkened back to when we get to our next race related bit of sketch comedy. <laughs> good, 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 good. Oh god, but uh, yeah, season season uh, episode three. Dave so, meets show business. Yes, this was this was the one where Zach said he want he really wanted to talk about it. So I'll turn it over to him. Dave meets the great and powerful show business. <laughs> yeah, I've all, I can I, I I love the cribs moment. I guess I guess I can, the serial thing is fun, mm-hmm. all that. But I or was it Little John in Love with Susan Sarandon? Yeah, yep. I do love the moment in Little John in Love where it's like she's like, "Would you like a sandwich?" What? And it's like, or no, I'm sorry. He goes, yay. Uh, and it's like, and she's about to get that bitch. She's like, do you love me? And he's like, <laughs> how's that sandwich coming? And it cuts to little John in love. Oh, yeah. I that's great. That. That's that. great. Um, but no, sh- and then you have uh, the best one is uh, Dave Chappelle Cribs. I love just like, how, like, much like how you were saying with the uh, making the band. It's like how over the top it is. So this where- is, this is the, the dinosaur egg one, right? Well, yeah, that's the crescendo of it. Okay, okay, good, good. I wanted to, I just wanted to make sure I was thinking of the same one. Absolutely. Yeah, this is also my favorite part of the sketch. And so you have like he, he he like introduces you into the house and it's like it's like, "Oh, like here's my this, here's my that." And it's like, "And here's a chandelier with some chicken bones with expensive <laughs> dinners that I've had yep. over the years." Yeah. <laughs> I love I love just the like the macabre nature of that. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes like into like he he like walks around he's like here he, he, a lot of ballers have shoe collections but i have my own shoe like my own sweat shoe sweatshop and like like the asian woman like starts like yelling it's like we need like we got we need like we need air we need yep. like fresh we, got, we need space he's like he starts like yelling at her in japanese and it's like if you're not quiet or i'm sorry not japanese but in some Asian language mm-hmm, and he's mm-hmm. like if you're not quiet I'll burn your feet and it cuts back to her she's like has like her like like she's like in horror with her face like gasping and he's like sonsai yeah 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 I I do love that as well he's like I got my own sweatshop goddamn I got these fools working 16 hours straight <laughs> yeah and then like then we do a like, what's he do does he go like oh god between that and then the uh Oh God! What's he do between that? Does he, go, does he go straight to the cooking segment then? I think so. I think there's some stuff in the cooking segment about his buddies, like how he has people over and they eat stuff before he reveals that because the dinosaur egg. I think there's a little bit in his kitchen where he's like, "I got my my people and we're having food or something like that." Yeah, he's like, "I got two Tyrannosaurus Rex eggs, like eight million dollars yeah. a piece." God that's, damn. I think that's my favorite part. Well, I don't know. This is tough to say what my favorite part is, but. Uh, I think favorite line because there's a there's a very fantastic sight gag that we get yes. to see in a little bit. But I love the fact where he's like he pulls out this weird rock looking thing from the refrigerator and he goes, "This is a T Rex egg. There's only two in the world, and I got them both." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he and then he cracks the first one open and he like puts the egg in the frying pan. He's cooking it up and he go he like turns to his friends in the fridge and he goes. Who wants to eat some dinosaurs? Let's crack the other one open. <laughs> I love how he's like cook, he's like cooking the first one. He's like, oh man, this like stanky, like like, like ancient fossil yes. meat. Yeah, <laughs> it smells so bad. <laughs> and then and then of course we get so that's if that's my favorite line. My favorite sight gag is when he gets the fucking what the second dinosaur egg and yeah. it starts to hatch, and it's like he he but this baby 
dinosaur breaks its head out of the shell and he's like he's looking at it, he's like oh my god baby dinosaur whatever and proceeds There's, to cut its wait, head off wait he's well, cause, okay okay go cause, for cause, it cuz what happens like you have like this like kind of like off-brand version of the Jurassic Park theme start to play yes. he's like oh, good he, point. he's like i have some life being born in my kitchen this is the most ball of thing ever yeah. and he's like i can't wait I can't wait. And you like see him like, like like until you've like seen this guy, so you don't notice it. Though. But you see him like pull a pair of scissors out of a drawer, and he he's like, I can't wait. And he literally like you said, he go ahead, Rob. What does he do next? He cuts the head off of the baby dinosaur, which proceeds to splurt blood out of its neck hole like a water fountain, from which Dave Chappelle drinks like it's from a water fountain. Glorious! I love this. Seeing this again, this was awesome. <laughs> Back in the day, like when this first like debuted, this was like that was like mind blowing. That was like oh my god, because it's a lot. Because because again, it's the escalation. It's it's like okay, you slowly ramp up, ramp yeah. up, ramp up, ramp up, and you crescendo with him cutting off a ti- a T Rex baby's head that just hashed in his kitchen. And I think the I think the drop is perfect because, like you said, you know, it's we have that that uh, faux Jurassic Park theme swell. And it seems like almost Dave is like, oh, it's beautiful. You know, he's going to say something like the miracle of life. And then he just snips off the dinosaur's head like that. Like, that switch of perspective is so abrupt and it's perfectly done. He's like, I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> and of course, you know, drinking the blood like a water fountain. That's just yes. the, the cherry well, on top. The thing that's interesting about that is like he, he like continues to like make the eggs. Yeah, and he's yeah. Like, and if you look, the dinosaur egg neck hole is still spewing blood while the scene continues. Oh yeah, he, yeah. They just keep it going. It's awesome. And he <laughs> has diamonds in like a pepper crusher, and he's like, "I love spreading diamonds on my food because one, yep. it's like it makes my dookie twinkle, and two, it's the most ball of thing ever." And then like the next thing we know, we have a, like one of his friends is like dancing in the kitchen with the rest of them, and he has like a piece of poop on like a napkin with diamonds mm-hmm. glistening in it, and it's like, "Thanks for stopping by, Cribs." Yeah. <laughs> and, and then the final shot of Chappelle show, which I think we've already delved into a little bit, is literally Dave Chappelle turning his back on Hollywood and walking away. Yep. It's it's uh it's it's pretty fitting. Yep. Very fitting. I should not even pretty. Very. <laughs> Very fitting. <sighs> Did we just do it? Did we do it, Zach? Did we just talk about four not, plus hours? We're not even finished yet because we have cinematic late night status and snack. Well, yes, but now we're done with our sketches finally, right? No, it's not over. It's never over. The struggle's eternal. Yes, it's never going to end. Never, uh, ever. So I think Zach hit the nail on the head. Of course, we have to talk about our three major questions. Uh, as I've been saying throughout all of our fort months so far of sketch comedy, there's some topics that I always want to hit. And I think we worked it out perfectly where, yes, it did take us, uh, what does that say, two days is on the clock? Man, I need to get some sleep. Um, Cast, writers, style, structure, why it ended, impact and legacy. I think we we did exactly what I was hoping we'd do, Zach, and we wrapped all of that into the discussion of actual sketches. So you should feel good, I guess, that we are ready to now move on to our three main questions. What do you want to start with? Cinema, yes. Late night movie, yes. For all the aforementioned reasons. Oh, yeah. There's no, there's no doubt. There's no splits here. It's this is something that you can get people to watch. It'll hook them because everybody loves Chappelle's show. And it, there, I think very much so. Just like I said with the Amanda show, you can get people to watch it. But in that case, they're going to be like, "Oh, this is terrible." Where I can definitely see we find some people and say, late night, Cinemonides, Dave Chappelle's show. They're going to go, oh, yeah, I remember that. 
And when they rewatch these episodes that they might not have seen in, say, five, ten years, they're going to go, man, that's great. I want to watch more. So, like I said, it's the polar opposite of The Amanda Show. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. And so now on to snacks? Snacks. Okay. I'm going to take the lowest of the low-hanging fruit because we were recording for 16 hours and I'm delirious. Yeah, Zach, I, Zach's the one who, who uh, is in the future. So, you know, I could go for another six hours on a Friday night. <laughs> of course you of course you could. Okay, low-hanging fruit. Dave Chappelle cereal. I want my little crack pipes. I want my little sure. crack pipe marshmallows. Sure. And I think we have to have some sort of a dinosaur beverage. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we're in agreement on this. I definitely, as as one of my notes for snacks, I just said we're going to adapt all of Dave's food or drink items. You know, whether they be the cereal, whether they be Samuel L. Jackson beer, whether it be the dinosaur eggs or, or stuff like that and beverage, water fountain thing. I'm totally on board with that, Zach. We have so much to play with in this in this series. <laughs> I think we should also franchise franchise out Whack Arnold's. Ooh, I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah, whack Arnold's. <laughs> but we do not we do not give the rib sandwich to our ex-girlfriend. Because we're in charge and we're cutting her off. Good. Good, good, good. Cut that bitch off. <laughs> um so so I think I think Zach, I don't know about Zach, but I we I'm, I have a feeling we might be falling into the same category where we spent so much time watching and thinking about Chappelle's show. That our snacks might be a little lacking. I know I fell into that category. I was so enthralled by watching all these sketches. And, and you know, of course, on Wednesday night, two days ago, Zach gave me two extra hours of things I needed to watch. Uh, I definitely didn't focus on snacks as much as I usually do. But I did think of one that I wanted to, uh, to bring up, which we talked about earlier. Uh, it comes from the Mad Real World sketch when they're working at the juice bar. I would like a beverage on our menu to be called... Sell me some juice, bitch. I'm thirsty. And then what you get, what you get when you order that is basically the Tron special, where it's all those things mixed together, including the Philly Blunt and a banana cognac, bitch. <laughs> so, so I definitely really like the idea that you know someone can open the menu and under drinks, it's not going to be the first option. It's going to be like in the middle of the section, and it's just going to say, "Sell me some juice, bitch. I'm thirsty." <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's some so dice did, games too there's, a dice, there's oh, some dice oh. games you can play too with some cardboard I guess we should say one of the sketches we did not discuss from uh, Chappelle's show was the World Series of Dice, dice. I, I hope that the next time that happens we can host it at the Cinemodities restaurant oh they, they, so, we won't be, they won't be having it in the projects um I think the better question is is the Cinemodities restaurant in the projects oh oh <laughs> So, no, we have to just like major a lot of conferences and events, you know, like the Olympics and, and stuff like that. And what uh, committees they have to um, pick where the, it's going to be held. I say we throw in the Cinemodities restaurant into the ring for um, for the World Series of Dice, the next World Cup and the next Winter Olympics. What do you think? As long as we shove our uh, car keys up our own ass. <laughs> OK, I, let's use that as one caveat. And the second caveat will be. We, if we get the Olympics or the World Cup, they cannot build stadiums. Everything has to happen in the Cinemodities restaurant. Oh, okay. So, so no, there's, there's no stadiums for soccer or Olympic games anywhere near the Cinemodities restaurant. They're all going to take place there and at the car wash. Good Lord. <laughs> all right, Zach, did you have any other snacks? 
Nope. Fresh ass snacks. Yeah, and I, I, I think. Yeah, you're in. You're in agreement. It's. It's. You know, there, we had so much to dissect with this wonderful sketch comedy show that we we kind of you know uh, lost some time for our snacks and our. Uh, well, late night cinematis, that's just a definite. There's no more discussion there. But for snacks, maybe we'll have some others as we think of. Um, maybe I'll put a little asterisk in the spreadsheet for us to come back to this on our next uh, two-year extravaganza, Zach. Aren't you excited? Indeterminate. <laughs> Zach, I'm going to make a new column for Zach's excitement for this episode, and it's going to say indeterminate. <laughs> All right, well, to to wrap us up, I know Zach is dying in his weird East Coast time zone. I think we should stick with tradition, uh, for this series at least. And since we have all of these theme songs for our sketch comedy shows, let's do some Chappelle's show theme backwards. Sounds good to me. Oh, my God.